The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Receive our pastor shortly. Praise the Lord. Are you guys ready? Hallelujah. Praise God. Is this on? Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. So, the subject matter we're about to treat is very, very, very important because it's the foundation of Christian ministry. If your understanding of this subject is defective, your ministry will be defective. If your understanding of this subject is defective, your um, worship will be defective. Hallelujah. So we are going to do our best during the next couple of hours to comprehensively trash this topic. Hallelujah. Now, um, we're going to have time for questions. It's a teaching meeting. It's a Bible study. All right, so that we can leave all things without doubt. Um, I understand that um, some folks, you know, I didn't want us to stream this event. The reason why I didn't want us to stream it is was very simple. So that we have that um, people will be forced to be present. <laughs> Amen. But it's fine. We are, we, are, we, are, we are doing this. So, please, let's start. Soteriology. Now, I am not going to try to entertain you or anything like that. This is minister, so just pay attention. Hallelujah. All right, so I think the noise from the gen is distracting. It means one of the windows are opened or something. Can we check that the windows are shut? Amen. Jesus was so calm, we can mark the noise. We didn't want to put on a diesel gen until tomorrow. Praise the Lord. All right, so what do we want to achieve? Number one, write this down, the outline. Number one, what is salvation? What is salvation? We'll answer what is salvation, the nature of salvation. The nature of salvation. Then we will examine the Abrahamic covenant. Then we will examine the old covenant. The new covenant. Then we will also touch on how salvation is received. How salvation is received. How salvation is received. Now, so theology, study of salvation, we cannot finish everything today, but we're going to do our best. Let's start our Bible, so the book of St. Matthew, chapter number 1. And verse 21, theme scripture, Matthew chapter number 1 and verse 21. Hallelujah. If you are there, open your Bibles and read. Everybody, one, two, go. It says what? Read it again. For you shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. 
for he shall save his people from their sins. So you can see very clearly, he says that his name shall be called Jesus. Now, in the Hebrew, because this angel must have been speaking to um, um, was a Mary, okay, in Hebrew, what word he would have used would have been, you shall be for the son, and thou shalt call his name Jehoshua, which is Jehovah is what? Salvation. Jehovah is what? Salvation. All right? Jehoshua is the elongated form of the word Joshua. All right? Because that's what Joshua means. Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. So when he says, and she shall bring forth his son, and thou shalt call his name Jehovah is what? Salvation. For he shall save his people from what? Their sins. So when he says Jehovah is salvation, for he shall save his people from their sins. Who is the he that shall save the people from their sins? That man called Jehovah is salvation. And the revelation of his name, Jehovah is salvation, literally means it is God that is doing the what? The saving. Now, the word, let's look at soteriology. What is soteriology? Soteriology is the study of salvation. Soteriology is the study of salvation. All right? And the word soteria is the word salvation. The word soteria is the Greek word for salvation. Now, like I was sharing with someone recently, I said, look, words like soteria, words like Elohim, they are not biblical words in origin. They are words that originated in a language. Praise God. For example, the word Elohim, all right, comes from the Akkadian language. The Akkadian language is an old language that pre-existed the birth of the nation of Israel. All right, it was spoken around, all right, amongst those Babylonian sects and those who live in the, um, in the area of Mesopotamia where Abraham came from. You understand? So, that language is not something that is totally akin to the Jews, all right? It's a language that was speaking by a lot of people in that period. Hallelujah. So, when you find those words, you need to study the language because God borrowed those languages to communicate what he wanted to communicate to man. And many a times, God also borrowed the customs that men were already what used to and used those customs to pass across the message he wanted to pass across. Are you following what I'm saying here? All right, because God will speak to man in a way man can relate to it and in a way man can what? understand. Are you following? Come on, are you following? All right. Now look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Oh, no, no. John 1, 29 to 36. Another, uh, 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 the second theme scripture. John chapter 1 and verse 29 to 36. This is now going to be talking about what John the Baptist said about Jesus. So remember, Jesus, Jehovah is our salvation, is appointed to save men from their sins. He says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and seeth, everybody read, he says what? Behold, the Lamb of God, which does what? Taketh away the sins of the world. The sins of the world. That taketh away the sin of the world. Very, very clear. All right? So that means Jehovah is salvation. Or Jesus came primarily to do what? To take away the sin of the world. That's why he came. So it is either he took it away or he didn't. Amen? Oh, by the way, today is Fisayo's birthday. Fisayo, happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday. Amen. 
all right, Jehovah's salvation. Now, in our, it, it, very clear, it says, the next day, it says, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is prepared before me, for he was what? Before me. So, John is beginning to talk about that Jesus, all right, existed before his physical incarnation. Are you following that? So, he says, he was before me. Glory to God. He now says, for he was before me. Next verse, he says what? Uh, and what? And I knew him what? Not, but that it should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. 32, everybody read. He says what? And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode what? Upon him. Next verse. He now says, and I knew... Um, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remain on him, the same is he which baptizeth with what? The Holy Ghost. 34. Read, it says what? And I saw a bear record that this is what? So this is the incarnation of God. This is the Son of God. This is Jehovah's salvation in physical body. Are you following? Are you following? All right, because Son of God is not a title, Son of God is a revelation. What is the revelation? Son of God is God manifested in a human body. That is what Son of God means. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! All right, so when he says Son of God, all right, he's talking about God put off flesh because Son of God means he is a man in his body, but he is God, all right, in his word, divinity. That's what Son of God means. Son of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the word soteria is the Greek for salvation. So what does soteria mean in the originals? If you look at Acts chapter 4 verse 12. In Acts 4 12. Acts 4 and verse 12. What does it say? What does it say? It says, neither is there salvation. This is just, I'm just laying foundation. So pay attention and be right. It says, neither is there salvation in any other. Amen. Is it clear? You know that is pregnant. Neither is there what? Salvation in any other. So, salvation, soteria, right? Neither is there salvation in any other, soteria. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The word saved there is sozo. Now, let us look at it. What does soteria mean? All right. Uh, what does sozo mean? Praise God. Soteria means to rescue. Soteria means to rescue. To save or to deliver. Hallelujah. It means to rescue, to save, or to deliver. Now notice, you know that from that definition of soteria, there is no involvement of sin. Eh? In that definition. Why? Because soteria is a Greek word. So that means when we say soteria, we need to ask, soteria from what? Amen. Are you following? You have to ask the question. Soteria from what? You can't just say soteria. Uh-uh. From what? We will look at that. So it means to rescue, to save, or to deliver. So it says, neither is there what? Salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be what? Rescued, saved, or what? Delivered. So that means there is something, the, the salvation we are talking about is specific to something. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
All right? That's what that soteria right there, salvation. Look at Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13, what does it say? In whom he also trusted, after that he heard the word of truth, the what? The gospel of your what? Salvation. The gospel of your rescue. The gospel of your deliverance. In whom also after ye believed, ah, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of what? Of promise. Glory to God. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1 to 2. We'll read a lot of scriptures today. I'm sure you were prepared for that. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1 to 2, what does it say? If you are there, can we read? Don't wait for the screen. What does it say? 1, 2, As workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God, what? In vain. Verse 2, it says what? For he said, I have heard thee in a what? Time accepted. Now, we are going to come to this. Hope because today, we are going to explain the, the, the um, difference between Kairos and Kronos. We're going to explain the concept of time and how it relates to salvation. Amen. All right. So just pay attention. We're going to get that because you see here, when he said, For I, I have heard thee in a time what? Accepted. This is talking Kairos because that word time there is Kairos. Praise God. All right. I will explain it when we get there. Amen. This is not baby class. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I won't teach you like baby. I expect that for you to be here. Your Bible study has gotten to a particular level. Praise God. How many of you understand what I'm saying? How many of you understand what I'm saying? Good. Now, he said, I've heard in the time accepted and in the what? Day of what? Salvation. Soteria, have I called thee? Behold, now is the what? Accepted time. And now is the what? Day of salvation. So, Soteria. Now, we cannot talk about salvation without talking about the one who saves. So, we cannot talk about the, about soteria without talking about the sotar. Amen. The word savior is the Greek word sotar. That is S-O-T-E-R. So, we cannot talk about the one who is, who, um, uh, we cannot talk about the rescue without talking also about the one who rescued. Because... How great the salvation is and how trustworthy the salvation is, is a function of the one who did the rescuing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You understand? So, he has rescued us. He has delivered us. Can he keep us rescued? Can he keep us what? Delivered from what he rescued us from. So, that means the character of the sotar will determine the character of the salvation. Are you with me so far? I said, are you with me so far? All right, we have the word Savior or Sotar appear in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 2. Turn in there. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 2. You can, can we read quickly 2 Peter 3 and verse 2? What does it say? It says, for he said, I uh, know. Uh, Hallelujah. Media, you are slow. I don't know if your system or what. That he may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and what? Sotar, Savior. Praise God. Praise God. Now, you see, in, 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 in um, ancient Greek, praise God, when they fought battles and a general was able to rescue, you understand, rescue the nation, 
from the hand of an invading force, what do they call that person? They call the person a what? A sota. You understand? A champion. Hallelujah. They call the person a sota. They call the person a what? A champion. Look at Second Peter three eighteen. Don't worry, we are building on Second Peter three eighteen. What does it say quickly? Second Peter three eighteen. What does it say? It says what? Uh huh. All right. It says, "Growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Sota." Praise God, our Lord and Sota. That means our Lord and Rescuer, our Lord and Champion. To Him be glory both now and what forever. So when we talk about salvation, we also have to talk about the word the Savior. So if salvation is eternal, it means the Savior is what eternal. If salvation is forever, it means the Savior is what forever. There cannot be a difference between the soteria and the word sota. The character of the soteria is declared and manifest in the character of the word of the word of the sota. So that is why eternal life can be given by the Savior because the Savior is eternal life. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you cannot give what you don't have. So when he says, all right, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. It is because that person that we are believing on is eternal life. How do we know? John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am what? The life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Are you following? Are you following? So that means the character of the soteria is determined by the character of the who? The sotar. Is this clear so far? If you are with me so far, put your hand up. Very good. Character of the sotar. So now we have looked at the word salvation savior. But who was the salvation for? Who was the salvation for? I want to just get this out of the way so that we will not go into the, you know, you cocoa, amen. Cocoa. Who was the salvation for? First John 4 and 14. After we finish the Bible study, we are going to go and do what? We are going to go and do what? So it's not that, ah, Bible study, ah, the word was powerful. You will preach. <laughs> Praise God. First John 4 and verse 14. Can we read 1, 2, go? Pay attention. And, uh-huh, that the Father sent the Son to be the what? Of the what? Talk to me. Of the what? World. To be the sotar of the world. Now, that expression, world, is from the Greek cosmos. Everybody say cosmos. How many of you know some, a, a person called cosmos? You know a cosmos? I mean, you know a cosmos? All right, praise God. Now, what does cosmos mean? Cosmos refers to social systems and also refers to mankind and inhabitants, inhabitants of, all right, the physical earth. Praise God. There are two words used for earth. All right, um, um, world in the Greek. You have cosmos and you have aeon. Aeon. Cosmos has to do with the social systems that men put in place. 
Because you cannot have social system without relationships. So cosmos is that word used to describe civilizations. Praise the Lord. What? Civilizations. All right. How men dwell together. So when he says, all right, that um, sent the son to be the savior of the world, he's saying he sent the son to be the savior of the world of men. Hallelujah. To be savior of the what? The world of men. Which means Jesus is savior of men. Of the world. He's savior of the world. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Notice, for God so loved the world. That word again is what? Cosmos. 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 For God so loved the cosmos. For God so loved the inhabitants of the world. For God so loved the men of the world that he gave his only what? Begotten son. Praise God. Romans 5, 8, turn in there. Romans and chapter 5 and verse 8. What does he say? He says here, But God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet what? Sinners, Christ died what? For us. Which means that world, the inhabitants of that world was filled with what? Inhabit the inhabitants of the world were what? were made up of men that were what? Sinners. So, for God so loved the world would now mean, for God so loved the world of who? Talk to me. For God so loved the world of who? Of who? He didn't love the world of righteous. No. He loved the world of sinners. Sinners. We will explain sin. We will explain unbelief. We will explain old covenant, new covenant, Abrahamic covenant. We will need to understand these concepts and terminologies to be able to understand the gospel. And to be able to properly interpret it. Because, for example, in the church world, many think the Abrahamic covenant is different from the new covenant. Many actually think the old covenant applies to the Christian. Whereas, when we study, the old covenant was a covenant between God and a nation. A nation state. It was not between God and an individual. The Abrahamic covenant was a covenant between God and an individual. But the old covenant was not between God and an individual. It was between God and the nation of who? Israel. God covenanted with the nation of Israel as a nation. That was why when the nation sinned, everybody suffered it. Even if, all right, not everybody in the nation sinned. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it was a... That's it. I'll give you an example. Amen? Just to think. Israel went into a battle against Jericho. Correct? They go to fight Jericho. Now, God had told them... They were not to touch anything for themselves in Jericho. They were not to touch it. It was not theirs. So they were to fight, destroy certain things, and there were certain things they were going to take as um, spoils and take to the temple. All right? Most of them obeyed, except who? Akan. Now, because the covenant 
the old covenant was not between God and individuals, but between God and a nation that put the old nation in trouble. Are you paying attention? So they had to suffer for that one man's error. As a nation, they had to collectively put justice on that one man, that one man to say it was him that did what he did. We were not the one that did it. Because according to the covenant, if one sinned, all of them sinned. Are you following what I'm saying? We are going to see it. This is scripture. So be patient. Look at him and say, be patient. Look at him and say, calm down. Aha. So we've said that Jesus died for a world of who? Sinners. Is that correct? For a world of sinners. So Jesus did not die for the church. At the point when he died, there was no church. He died for a world of sinners. He died for the cosmos. Hallelujah. Now, we have a salvation. Then we have a savior. And then we have the saved. The next question will now therefore be, what were we saved from? Praise God. Obviously, we all know that the answer is sin, right? Right? But we need to explain what sin is. Many people actually tell me something on. Guys, listen. Don't think the gospel has gained ground in Nigeria. Many people don't know what the gospel is, though. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many pastors don't know what the gospel is. They don't know. I, look, if there's something that has shocked me the most in my life, it's to see of pastors and be so popular, apostle, prophet. Oh, my lapel. Okay, come on. Who is adjusting it? Is this fine like this? All right, praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Look at the neighbor and say, Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you. Now, what was I saying? Ah. One of the frustrations I find is that to sit in a company of ministers and be totally shocked about the lack of knowledge of scripture. You see, one of these when we talk about church history, because I found out that what's going on is the, the typical Pentecostal grew up on what can I find in the world to do something for me? You understand? So the Christian Christian says, I have a financial challenge. All right, the reason why I went to the Bible was to look for something in God that will solve that financial problem for him. You understand? Then, you know, I have dealing with witchcraft. This was looking for what I can find in the word that can help me deal with scripture. Most times, they didn't study the word to just know what the word was saying. So most of the sermons in the churches is designed that way. It is not designed to explain scriptures. It is designed to how to use the scriptures to get something. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So you find it is always about how to, ten ways, seven ways, principle, you understand. So you now find out that people that sit under that teaching for long, they grow up never really understanding scripture. So they don't even know how to explain it. So many of them think quoting scripture equals explaining. So when you're having a conversation with some people from those kind of churches or those kind of schools, all right, and you want to discuss a doctrinal subject, they will begin to quote, 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 but they don't understand what they are quoting. In fact, what you are saying is in what they are quoting, but they can't see it. Praise God. It's there, but they can't see it. Why? They've not been trained to see it. They've not been trained to study. So when you now start doing pre-test, post-test, context, what studies, they will say, you are trying to dribble me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, so, 
So now answer the question, what was he saved from? To understand what he was saved from, let us start from the beginning, from the book of Bereshit. That's Genesis. Genesis. Now, we are going to start from the book of Genesis via the book of Titus. <laughs> because Titus is a commentary on Genesis. Titus chapter number 1. And from verse 1 to 3. Titus chapter 1, from verse 1 to 3. Pay attention, no. Don't let this Bible study stand against you in the, at the judgment seat of Christ, too. Titus chapter number 1 and from verse 1. Now let us read. It says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the words, ah, according to the word of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is afterward, godliness. Verse 2. Everybody read, pay attention, follow. It says, in hope of what? Uh-huh. Which God that cannot what? Promised before. Ah, so that means God promised eternal life before the world began. Now listen. That word there is the Greek aeon. Not cosmos. What is aeon? Aeon means ages or dispensation. It's the same word used in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 where it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God. That word, expression world is aeon. Amen? Aeon. So, he's talking about dispensation. So that means before the very first dispensation, God had promised what? Eternal life. Which therefore means eternal life was not a reaction to anything that man did. Are you paying attention? Man did not sin. And God now said, ah, he has fallen. I need to give him eternal life. No. Eternal life was what God promised. That word promised there is the word epagelon. What does epagelon mean? Epagelon means to announce. So that means he promised by saying it. He promised by announcing it. He promised by a proclamation. Epagelon means announcement or proclamation. So that means God made a proclamation that he is going to give eternal life even before the world began. Is this clear? So before the world began, God had already proclaimed eternal life for all men. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? So God's plan to give eternal life was promised. Before the world began, before the dispensation started. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to show you something very interesting. You want to see it? Can you want to see it? You want to see it? Ah, I want to show you something. See, this is why you cannot speed read your Bible. If you speed read your Bible, you will miss out, you see, a lot. All right? You see, it's one thing to say, I'm saved forever. Give us details. The understanding of the details is what makes you a skilled teacher. You know, anybody can hold a sword, but it's a skilled swordsman that can do a lot of things with it. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have watched movies? Eh? Where you say, what about the guy with this sword? Then we take two swords, and you now be seeing how he's moving it. Moving it, moving it. Can you move sword like that? You kill yourself. Boy, move like that. You just slice your throat. Praise God. So, it's the same thing with the word of God. You must be skillful with the word. Amen? You must be what? Skillful with it. Let me show you something. It says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before what? The word began. Now, let me show you in the Greek, word began is aionos chronos. <laughs> Amen? Before the word began is aionos chronos. So, He's saying, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promised before the dispensations began to be manifested in time. Because chronos is what? Time. So before the um, dispensation, there are seven dispensations in scripture. Seven. Amen. Seven. You have the dispensation of innocence. Glory to God. Now, I have, seven, I have designed, I wrote, I, um, there, there are seven dispensations of scripture as determined by theologians. I have seven dispensations as determined by, I, I designed seven dispensations based on Christology. Praise God. Christology. So, I designed it around Christ. So, you have seven dispensations in scripture. That means time frame during which men related with God in a particular way. So, the first dispensation is the dispensation of innocence. That is, that period after creation where Adam had not made, made a choice. Amen. Amen. Write it down. Why are you looking at me? Am I a model? I know I'm looking beautiful and fly, but please write. Praise the Lord. The first dispensation is the dispensation of, sin, of what? Innocence. All right. Man was neither a sinner, neither was he the righteousness of God. Man did not have eternal life. Man was natural. All right, the Bible lets us know in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the first Adam was what? Of the earth and what? Etsy. It didn't say the first Adam became of the earth and earthy. No. He said the first Adam was. Glory to God. He said the first Adam was a natural man. The second Adam is the Lord from what? Heaven. So that means Adam was a typology of Christ, the heavenly Adam. Are you following? Are you following? So Adam needed eternal life. He did not have it. I will show you from scripture. He didn't have it. He needed it. But as long as it was the dispensation of innocence, he would not die because death had not entered into the earth. Sin had not entered into the earth. His decision about eternal life would determine what came in and what didn't. As we are going to see from scripture. Amen. Are you following so far? Uh-huh. Now, praise God. I said praise God. All right. So God promised eternal life before the aeons began to be manifested in what? In Kronos, in time. So that means before Genesis 1 verse 1, God had promised what? Eternal life. Is this clear? Is this clear? Good. Amen. So, let's look at a collaborative scripture. To back that up. Romans 8, 28 to 29. We're going to break it down. I hope this is not too meaty for you. Is it working for you? I don't know if you are learning something. You have learned something already. Let me see your hand. 
Ah. Romans 8:28. Ah, hallelujah. Look at Romans 8:28. Don't mind, boss. My son said he didn't want to miss the Bible study. He wanted to take notes. So we brought him along. So all the signs are signs that is rejoicing in his spirit. Amen. Romans 8:28. Can we read? Want to go? He says, and we what? No. Ah, pay attention. No? Hmm. And we what? No. That what? All things work together for good to them that what? Love God. And to them that what? Accord, according to the purpose. Now, hold on. The context of Romans 8.28. I don't want to start di- di- diverting. But the context of, and we know that all things work together. All right. There is a context. The all things he's talking about is in Romans 8. Praise God. I said, praise God. It's in Romans 8. There's all things work together. What are the all things he's talking about? The leading of the Spirit. The new birth. Hallelujah. All right. The intercessory ministry of the Spirit. All right. Praise God. And the intercessory ministry of the Spirit is the Spirit standing, all right, meeting the deficit that is present in our body. Hallelujah. All right. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that accord according to his purpose. Now, he says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that accord according to his purpose. So now let us examine some things. Praise God. Let's examine some words. Are you ready? Now, he says, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called. Right? Called. Praise God. Now, that word called is a Greek word, kletos. Kletos. K-L-E-T-O-S. And what does it mean? It means to be invited. Or... To be appointed. Hallelujah. Invited. That means come and take. Come and eat. Come, come. Amen. 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 Hold on. Amen. Call. Invited. Which means I can invite you and you don't come. Are you following? I can invite you and you don't come. I can appoint you and you don't respond. So he says, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God. In fact, that actually should read to them that God loves. But let's leave that alone. And to them that are called according to his purpose. The word purpose is the Greek prosthesis. P-R-O-S-T-H-E-S-I-S. Prosthesis. What does that mean? Because many times when you look at, when we say purpose in English, what does it mean? Why, why, why is that thing? What is it for? Right? Right? Mm. What is it for? In a way, it's the same thing. But prosthesis is deeper. What does prosthesis mean? Prosthesis means a setting forth. What you set forth to do before you do it. Glory to God. What you set forth to do before you do it. Or, your prosthesis also means intention. Praise God. It means what? Intention. 
Hallelujah. Pastor Dara, see you come. Hallelujah. Possessis means setting forth our intention. So, the purpose of God is what he has set forth to do. Amen. Are you paying attention? The purpose of God is what he has set forth to do or intended to do beforehand. So, God set his purpose beforehand. So God's purpose is not a reaction to you. Glory to God. You are a response to his purpose. So that means the created man, amen, just needs to discover the purpose God has set beforehand. Amen. Because that's what purpose is, prosthesis. To intend beforehand. To set forth beforehand. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Now, he says, according to his purpose. So, what is the purpose he set beforehand? What is that purpose he set beforehand? Glory to God. Now, look at the next verse. 29. 29. What did he say? Everybody, we want to go. Ah, oh, stop. For whom he did for no, he also did predestinate. So there are two words there we now need to break down. How many of you agree? What are they? For knowledge and what? Say it again. For knowledge and what? Ah, now you see, I've, heard, I've heard some folks say some stuff, especially the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? That what they're teaching when it talks about for knowledge and predestination is that God had already decided who is saving. Amen. God has already decided saving, and God has decided who is throwing to hell. But hold on. Praise God. Let's look at what it says. The word for knowledge or for know is from the Greek proginosko. Now, I, let me, you may be asking pastor, because there are some people that say, why is he using a lot of Greek words? There is a reason I am using Greek words. I heard the man of God say something about, oh, Greek words and stuff like that. Hey, listen to me. We have to be very careful of some generic and careless statements like that. Amen. I'm not trying to display knowledge here. I'm trying to break things down for you. Because the Bible was not originally written in English. The King James Bible is a translation. It's a what? Translation. Translation is not original. It means they copied from original. Hallelujah. Actually, <laughs> you have some translations. This is what they did. Should I tell what they did? Okay, let me just digress. How many of you want some, just some small introduction? Okay, good. Listen, pay attention, everybody. Look at me. I have a teaching called Bibliology. It's on our Telegram channel. Go and listen to it. I explained this, I think, four-part series or five-part series. I broke it down like crazy. Now, listen. The Old Testament was reading, eating in Aramaic, which I told you is Akkadian, right? Akkadian old, you know, language. That's where 
the root is. That's the Babylonic um, language. It's, speaking, it's spoken around Mesopotamia and all of those places. So when you look at even the um, hieroglyphics of that era, you will see that language. It's on tablets of stone in caves and things like that. Most of the Bible um, was written on papyri, all right? Papyri is um, kind of like um, a kind of, um, you know, material that they could write on. So, so one of the challenges of those materials was they couldn't last for a very, very, very long time. So as a result, the, um, the prophets and the priests copied scriptures several times. They had to copy it and make several copies to preserve it. Do you understand? All right. And in some cases, instead of writing on papyri, they wrote on stones because the stones, you know, could be preserved in caves and things like that. Praise God. So recently, I think some uh, hundred years ago, they discovered some papyri, some scrolls, all right, called the Dead Sea Scrolls in the cave of Umran. And when they went and found the cave of Umran, so you now had that certain translations of the Bible, all right, could be better because they could compare the Dead Sea Scrolls with the other translations and, the, you know, the other manuscripts to come with a more accurate translation of what the scripture is actually saying. Praise God. So what you had was that the Old Testament was actually written in Hebrew or Aramaic. Praise God. Now, around, I think it was 400 or 300 and something BC, in a city called Alexandria, Ptolemy, who was the king of Egypt, after the splitting of the kingdom of Greece into four kingdoms, all right, called and brought 72 rabbis together. And what he wanted was, he wanted their holy book, okay, transcribed or translated into Greek so that it could be placed in the library at Alexander. Because what they did in Egypt was that the library at Alexander was the largest physical place where all of the knowledge of the old world was domiciled. And Ptolemy wanted to ensure that the Old Testament scripture was there. So, 72 rabbis came together and began the first translation, okay? Translation of, there was there's a, a, a translation called the Samara, Sam, Samaritan Pentateuch, but it was not very popular. So, let's see that aside. Praise God, all right? But, all right, the first translation of the Bible from Hebrew to Greek, so that Greeks could read it, amen? Then also, so that many of the Jews who had been taken to captivity but had lost connection to Jerusalem because they've not been in Jerusalem for centuries and didn't know how to speak the language, could actually read the word of God in their word in Greek. From that moment, the Bible was now copied, not from Hebrew to Hebrew, but from what? The Greek, the book that, the document that was translated from the Hebrew Bible to Greek was called the Greek Septuagint, all right? You see it in writings LX11. You understand? All right, that means the writings of the 72, the Greek Septuagint. All right, and that is actually the book that the apostles quoted from in the Gospels, that Paul quoted from in the what? In the Epistles, because that was actually the book most of them what? Read. Because Greek was actually a, you know, a language that was very, very popular during the time of Jesus. Are you, are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? So the Greek Septuagint is a what? Translation. Correct? Correct. And most of the translation, King James and all, all right, pulled from what? From translations, other translations. Because many of them did not understand, you know, Hebrew. Praise God. Then after that, the Roman Catholic Church now translated from the Greek Septuagint to the what? Latin Vulgate. Because uh, 
the legal franca during the time of Jesus and all, you know, Greek was one of the languages that were spoken. But around the time of the Roman Catholic Church, it was what? Latin. So they now wanted also to ensure that they were able to get the word of God into what? Latin, so that most people in the Roman Empire who spoke Latin will what? Understand. Are you following so far? So you now had the Latin Vulgate. So by the time of King James, they were translating most times from the Latin Vulgate and comparing with works of other translations like the translation of, um, what's the name of this guy? Martin Luther. Martin Luther did a translation, right? You had Martin Luther uh, did the translation. You had, um, what's the name of this? There's this um, Englishman that was killed. Uh, oh, I forgot his name. He was one of the guys that was killed for translating. Eh? Yes, you had the Tyndale Bible. Then before Tyndale, there was a, the first guy, there was the first guy that was killed. I forgot his name. If I remember, I'll, I'll bring him back. You understand? I was killed for translating the Bible. Most of them translated from translations. Why did they translate from translations? Because most of them did not know original Hebrew. So they translated from the what? Greek what? Septuagint. Are you following so far? So when you are studying a, a translation, you must be careful. So that, that is why you need to go and be checking the originals to ensure the, the things in context, because men did translations. So most times, I always tell you that the translation of the Bible is only as inspired as it agrees with what? The originals. Are you following? Come on, are you following? That's why you have to be careful of these new translations. Now, there are translations of the Bible. Translation of the Bibles are Bibles that attempt to give you a word-for-word -word literal translation of what the Bible says. So he goes and sees boy in Hebrew and puts boy in English. Are you following? He goes and sees alitia in Greek and puts truth in English. Are you following? He goes and sees a word that there is no um, common word used in English and tries as much as possible to use the closest word. It is translation. Then there are Bible translations that are not translations but are transliterations. Amen. Like the Amplified Bible. Like the Passion Bible, like the Living Bible, they are not translations. They are what? Translations. What? What does translations attempt to do? Translations attempt to um, take the word, and instead of giving you a word-for-word -word translation, they try to give you the meaning. Are you following? Are you following? They try to give what? The meaning. So that's why you read the Message Bible. So, oh, but the truth is, the chance for error is higher in a word. Translation. Do you know why? Because those Bibles always attempt to give the scripture with today's culture. Whereas the revelation was given to the prophets with an Eastern medieval culture in mind. Which means what would apply in today's culture would not have applied in that culture. Are you following? I'm saying this to explain why I teach you and give you the Greek, Hebrew, and you understand? Covenant in this term does not mean covenant then. The way they cut covenant here is contract with your sign. Over there, we spill blood. So you, it's not the same. Praise God. You, know, you understand? So for example, testament in the, new, in the Greek is diateke. In the Hebrew, it's not the same. Because for the Greek, contracting was different from the Hebrew. So that's why you cannot come to an, a proper understanding of certain scriptures until you understand cultural context also, historical context also, language context also. The grammar is important. I'm not talking of English. The grammar. For example, John says Jesus is the logos of God. 
Amen. Now, if you go and read the normal this thing, you say speech, something said, right? What you know, words. So you have some people who say logos is written word. Some people have actually now downgraded the, re- the meaning of logos to mean written word. Written word. How? how? Where did they get it from? Logos is not written word. Written word is graphe. Hallelujah. Graphe, scripture. That is what is penned down. That is the meaning of graphe. Something inspired to be penned down. That's graphe. Logos is not graphe. What logos is? Logos is reason. Amen. Logos is logic. And logos is bo- it's a borrowed Greek philosophical word. It's a borrowed Greek philosophical word. Because among the Greeks, they always talked about the logos. Because the logos was actually uh, popularized among the Greeks in the Greek schools by two philosophers, Heraclitus and Aristotle. John, the apostles, because they lived among the Greeks, knew those things. So to reach the Greek, amen. Notice that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, they didn't call Jesus Logos. Do you know that? Come on now. Do you know that? Why? Because the book of John was written with one audience. The audience was the Greeks. The audience was the Gentiles. So John wanted to communicate who Jesus was as the Son of God, so he borrowed their language. He said, is he what? Logos of God. So when a Greek heard Logos of God, you understood. Because according to Aristotle, the Logos is the explanation of all things. The Logos is what, what we see to understand what we don't see. Are you following? According to Aristotle, all right, the, 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 the secret of creation is the Logos. So if you want to understand creation that you see, there is a principle called the Logos you cannot see. Are you following? Are you following? Aristotle was not, you know, he didn't hear the gospel and all, but the Spirit of God showed that to him. He was getting closer and closer. So, all right, just as God used, all right, the understanding of covenant uh, among the Gentile tribes of Abraham to enter into a covenant with Abraham, God used the philosophy of Aristotle to pass across Christ to the Greeks. So when when John said, um, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the logos of God, the Greek understood. The Greek is saying, ah, oh, so the logos Aristotle has been talking about, you are saying is Christ? Yes. So to understand the God, Aristotle was saying we cannot see, but it's in all things and it's the logos of all things. Look at Christ. Are you following? So for you to understand what is the flow of thought, what is being said in scripture, you need to understand the grammar. Look at it, but you need to understand the grammar. Hallelujah. Before you score doctrine, I go. <laughs> All right. 29. We are saying, for whom he did what? First of all, you need to applaud yourself. Oh. We say we are doing extended Bible study. We say 9 a.m. You didn't ask when is he finishing. And you are here. God bless you. Mm. Knowing who I am. <laughs> you need to be celebrated. <laughs> Romans 8.29. Now, for whom he did what? For no. The word for no is the Greek proginosko. Proginosko. Don't forget what we have been talking about, though. We talked about Titus 1, 1 to 3. God promised the eternal life before the world began, before the dispensations manifested in the chronos. Praise the Lord. Now, we are now saying, for whom he did foreknow, 
he also did predestinate. The word for know is a Greek proginosco. It means to know beforehand or foresee, which means this whom God, the scripture is saying, all right, God did foreknow means that this man, God knew him before time. Amen. Amen. Right? In context. So it says, for whom he did foreknow. That means for whom he did know beforehand. All right? He also did what? Pre-what? Destinate. Now, what is predestinate? Predestinate is the Greek pro-orizo. It means to predetermine. It means to limit in advance. So that means what he's saying is that God knew man before time began. That's before he created him. And before he created him, he had already set a limit or predetermined man to something. Amen. How many of you understand what I just said? You understand what I just said? So before time began, God knew man before time and predestinated that man to something. He sets the limits in advance for man. Saying, man, this is what I created you for. Are you seeing that? This is what I created you for. I have predetermined your life to this. This is my plan. Amen? Now, now, what is that plan? He says, for whom he did what? For no. He also did predetermine. To be what? To who? The image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among what? Many brethren. So that means, what is he saying? Is that God had predetermined for man to be conformed to the image of his son. It means the reason for the creation of man was for Christ. God had set the limit in advance that man's identity would not be outside of who? Christ. Notice, this is before time began. Adam had not seen. There was no Adam. For when you are talking proginosco, you are talking about beforehand. Glory to God. You are talking what? Beforehand. Glory to God. I say glory to God. Now, the word conformed is the Greek word sumofu. And what does sumophos mean? It means to be fashioned like unto. So that means, listen, it means that the Son of God was the template man was to be replicated after. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you following? So we, we see now that before in God, the Son of God was first. Adam was a typology. Adam was, the, the destiny of Adam, or the creation of Adam, was to be in accordance to the Son. 
Which means, remember what we talked about purpose. What is purpose? Processes. What, what did we say it was? A what? A setting forth. So that means something that is fixed. This is what I want to do. Amen. Now, from what you have read, what did God want to do? To conform man to who? The son. Who is the son? The image of what? The image of his son. The image of his son. And the image of the son is the image of what? Of God. Colossians 1.15. Turn in there. Colossians 1.15. Get my message, the gospel in Genesis. It explains Genesis 1 in detail. I don't, I don't want to get into Genesis 1 because it will take me, you know, take us away. Now, let's start from verse 14. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the, even the forgiveness of sins. Everybody, verse 15, it says, who is the image of the what? Invisible God. Who is he talking about? Christ. Christ is the what? Image of the what? Invisible God. So when the Bible says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our what? own image and after and our own likeness that is romans 8 29 uh, are you getting it let me say that again so when god said let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness he was that's romans 8 29 because the image of god is christ so genesis 1 26 is god showing you his prosthesis god showing you his what is purpose. Glory to God. That is why, if you look at Genesis 1.26, we think that in Genesis 1.26, we see the creation of man. But in Genesis 2.7, we now see, and God breathed into, for, uh, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth, and breathed into his nose, what? The breath of life. Which means that, man did not become a living soul in Genesis 1. Man became a living soul where? In Genesis 2. Which therefore tells you, Genesis 1 was the proclamation was it what? The epagelon. Remember? The promises. It was the proclamation. What God was saying was, let us, he was telling you, this is my plan. To make man after what? Christ. And for that man that has been made after Christ, to mass produce himself in the image of the Son on the earth. So that everywhere there is a man, you are seeing the image of what? Christ. Are you following which is what is happening now when we preach the gospel. Oh, have I, I think I lost you somewhere. I didn't lose you. You get that? Did you get that? Oh. So that was the plan. That was God's purpose. That was what God set forth. Amen. So, <laughs> you will now understand sin and what sin really is. Then you will now understand what God did to bring about redemption. Amen. We'll show you holistically what he did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we've said that God's plan was for man to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. Now, remember we said that Adam did not have eternal life. Because there are some folks, sociology, it starts by saying the fall of man. And what they mean by the fall of man was that Adam had the Holy Spirit. Adam had eternal life. But because he ate apple, he lost the Holy Spirit and he lost eternal life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? 
So when they are talking about the fall of Adam, what they are talking about is that Adam was like, um, um, you know, had something, then lost it. Praise God. So I always get entertained when I'm listening to some preachers talk about how Adam was functioning before the fall. You see, when Adam wanted something, he spoke it. <laughs> like, oh my God, are you for real? Adam? Adam? Where do you see Adam in the era of it? Is Adam there? Hebrews 11, is he there? How many of you saw the name of Adam in Hebrews 11? I looked for it, it's not there. Which, which faith? What are you talking about? He said you spoke. What? Huh? No. Uh-uh. No, 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 sir. Don't. You see, you must never read things into scripture. And there's something about we Pentecostals. We like that thing a lot. I mean, if you know, ha, Pentecostals, we know how to read things into scripture. Things that are not there. We will talk about drama. Ah. And before I know it, I'm like, where did you see it there? It's not, it's not there. Amen. Like I'm listening to, I'm listening to a preacher. Now he's talking about redemption and not talking about material prosperity. There's a way to teach material prosperity in light of redemption. Amen. But to now teach it the way I hear some people teach it, I'm like, this is not sincere. It's not sincere. Don't, don't ah. It's not sincere. Praise God. God wants you well. God wants you to prosper materially. But that's not why Jesus died. Are you following what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And God expects that no matter how materially prosperous you are, you should be able to leave all of that and follow him. If you cannot leave material prosperity or comfort and follow his plan, you have made money your idol. And it is called covetousness. Amen? Uh-huh. Covetousness. We have to be careful. Don't read things into scripture. For example, he says some people think that we are we are immortal. We are immortal. Oh, shagalabaya, brother. Let me tell you something. Let's break it down for you. If you are truly immortal, you will not age. If you are you truly immortal, you won't grow up. Because immortal means timeless. You are outside the realm of what? Time. So what part of you does not grow up, doesn't grow old? Is that not your spirit? So that means the immortality scripture talks about, who has brought immortality to light, is immortality as res- with respect to the divine life you have received where? In your spirit. The immortality of the body is still a promise in the future. That is the resurrection from what? The dead. You can't be shouting immortal. Someone carry gun. Immortal. <laughs> My brother, arrange yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He get reason. Why? He get why? Where Paul? They won't kill him. They put him inside basket. Lower him. He can run away. Paul. Paul. He get reason. He didn't say immortal. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Kill me, kill me. You will see. Odeshi, Odeshi. I have the life of God in me. Is that what he did? No, he ran. Praise the Lord. You have to have sense. And there are consequences for the misinterpretation of scripture. 
consequences that can lead you to an early death. You know, a lot of people died because they said, oh, I'm born again. I will not take drugs. Have you seen that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Or what are the ones about the Hebrew women? Ah, the Hebrew women, they delivered. No, you understand? Because their pastor did not tell them that. It was a lie. The Egyptian women told. To save the Hebrew women's children. Yes, people are standing on it. I'm an Hebrew woman. Ha! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A misinterpretation of scripture. A scripture not correctly interpreted in the light of what the scripture is saying. If you believe a wrong interpretation, it can cost you your life. So don't joke with Bible studies. It can cost you your life. Amen. It can cost you your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. As I always say, I, I, I believe we will hold Bible studies in stadiums. You see? See the amen that came out? Pastor Koy, amen. I say it again. We will hold Bible studies in stadiums. Amen. And believers will gather to hear the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. We don't have to say, ah, let's share rice so that they will come. Let us share spaghetti and pizza so that they will come. Can you imagine child of God looking for pizza to come to church? Are you sure that one is a child of God? Fake gospel. We are peddling fake gospel. So you have a lot of false conversions everywhere. So you have folks that are not saved. They've not heard the gospel before in their life. But they are elder. They are elder in the church. They are pastor. Jew. They've never heard the gospel before in their life. In their life. So you are inviting that one for minister's conference. Then he gets there. He's asking for entertainment. He's talking about his woman. And you are like saying, ah, a man of God is not born again. Oh, he's not born again. You are saying, the thing that is going. They are not born again. Do you understand? You have to be sharp. False gospels lead to false conversions. Let's stick to this thing. Where was that? Where was that? Mm-hmm. So Adam didn't know eternal life. But eternal life was offered to Adam in the garden. Shall I show you? Genesis 2. Genesis 2. Remember? God's plan was to what? Make man conform to the image of his son. Praise God. Which means the purpose of Adam's creation was to receive from the son. Was to be conformed to the son. Adam was created natural. Amen. But for him to what? To be conformed to the image of the son. Jesus. He needed to receive what? From the son. He needed to be conformed to the son. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? Alright. Because God needed for Adam to conform by faith. By trust. Not by compulsion. Because if it's compulsion, then it's not faith. Amen. Now. Genesis 2 and verse 8. And the Lord God planted... <laughs> it's a man of God that is on the projector. He has assisted me to go to the scripture. I was going to. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man he had what? He had what? Notice. He put the man he had formed, not the man he had conformed. Are you following 
He put the man he had what? Formed. Not the man he had what? Conformed. Because the conformation had to do with the faith and the will of the formed man. So the reason for his formation was for his conformation. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? Huh. Now, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man he had what? Formed. Uh -huh. Nine. And out of the ground, pay attention, made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh -huh. Now, notice, oh, see something, see the play of scripture. That is so beautiful. This is how Moses, Spirit of God, um, you see. He says, and out of the ground made the Lord to grow what? Every tree. Now, when you say every tree, and you want to give example, what should, example should you give? Tree of cocoa, tree of mango, tree of orange, tree of cucumber. You don't know what you should be giving me. But it doesn't mention any natural tree. He mentions, and good for food. He says, the tree of what? Uh -uh. Anyone has any tree that is called tree of life in your garden? No, he doesn't mention natural trees. He mentions tree of life. Now notice, he says, and good for food. We are into metaphors now, right? Remember gospel in Genesis, go and get it. Metaphors, because he says, and good for food. Food is sustenance. And many times in scripture, food items is used to communicate life. Glory to God. Bread of life. Hallelujah. Manna. Amen. Praise God. All right, river of living water. All right, that's food and water used to communicate that. There are metaphors that for sustenance. Amen. So your attention should not be on the food item mentioned, but on what they represent. So it says, to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now look at it. It says, the tree of life. Also, where? In the world. Mist is center. So that means right in the center of the garden, what was there? You could not miss it. Hallelujah. You couldn't miss it. It was in the center. Just like Jesus is the center of the universe. You can't miss him. In fact, he's the one that has divided our time. B-C-A-D. Before Christ, after... You understand? Glory to God. You can't miss him. So don't think was oh, no. It was Adam couldn't miss God's plan. Adam knew God's plan. God showed it to him. He said, "In the midst of the garden, listen, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Now look at verse ten. Look how he says. He says, "All right, okay, go to verse sixteen. The instruction. Pay attention." He says, "And the Lord did what? Commanded the man, preached to the man, saying, of what?" Of what? Of the garden. Thou mayest what? Freely eat. So which tree? They mentioned two for us. So it says of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Correct? You are free to eat it. Now, verse next verse 17 now says, But what? Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not what? Eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely what? He mentions two trees, says don't eat of this one. What is he telling him? Eat of the other one. 
Hallelujah. He's saying, eat of the other one. And in case you think there was a garden, and there were two actual trees in that garden, you need, you need to come to a care moment. <laughs> it's like thinking that there was an actual snake. That will be the equivalent of thinking that when the Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, that there was a lamb that just showed up like this. Meh! Meh! <laughs> Those are metaphors. So God showed Moses in vision because nobody was there. Was there were you there? Were the journalists there capturing the moment? No. Nobody was there. So God was trying to show Adam, Moses the gospel. Amen. The gospel message. Remember I told you in Gospel of Genesis that the reason why Moses was not under the law because he was already saved by faith. He had already heard the gospel and believed it. So the relationship we had with God was a faith relationship. That's why in Hebrews 11, Moses was one of the world heroes of what? Faith. The Bible says, we're going to look at it. It said, this all died in faith. This all, Hebrews 11, 13, died in faith, including Moses. So if he has already been righteous by the law, why are you giving, by, the, by faith? Which law you won't give him now? Praise the Lord. The reason, I will show you that from scripture, the reason for the giving of the law of Moses was unbelief on the part of the Israelites. It's in the Bible, I did, like I was telling someone, I said, I didn't write it, so it's there. For you, I, I said, someone said, you said, I said, no, it's not me, Jesus said it. You said, ah, no, Paul said it. The Bible, I didn't say it. I can show you. Don't accuse me wrongly. Hallelujah. It's true, amen. <laughs> Don't kill me for my time. I'm close to 36, I'm 36 years old, so I couldn't have written any book of the Bible. I am reading it like I'm reading it. Hallelujah. <laughs> he says, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. God now says, For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely what? Die. What is the implication? It means the day you eat of the tree of life, you shall what? Live. Amen. Now, Jesus. I want to dance for. Hey, 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 hey. Jesus to show us that the instruction we see in Genesis chapter 2 was actually given by him. <laughs> it was him because Jesus is God. Hallelujah. Son of God just means God in human body. That's what son means. Son does not mean God has sex with Mary. <laughs> and Mary got pregnant. And she, I remember sometimes I was talking about Muslim and he said, are you saying God slept with Mary? I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, man, the God of this world that blinded their eyes, man. Ah. He said, how many wives does God have? Oh, dear Jesus. Wives? What do you mean? You said he has a son. He must have wives. <laughs> oh, my God. By the way, the lovely prophet Muhammad asked those questions, too. I wish I was around during that time. That could have saved us. Amen? You know what I mean, right? John 6. Now, Jesus 
uses another metaphor. Instead of tree of life, he talks of bread of life. If he was speaking to the Chinese, he would have said rice of life. If he was speaking to Bami Dele, hallelujah, he would have said Amala of life. Glory to God. If he was speaking to Tolani Olaleya, he would have said peace of life. Praise God. If he was speaking to uh, um, Wilson Aniete, he would say Edikainko of life. Praise God. If he was speaking to Fisayo, he would have said Indomie of life. <laughs> John 6. Glory to God. John chapter number 6, and let us read from verse 25. And we read into 33. Jesus says, except, he was telling the Pharisees and Sadducees, he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no what? Life in you. So, the destination was what? Was what? Talk to me. Was what? Talk to me now. Was what? Life. Same thing he was saying to Adam. Now look at it. So when they are finding on the other side, see, they said unto him, Rabbi, when came is thou? Eat her. Next verse, he says what? Jesus answered them and said, pay attention. Now. These guys, listen, what has happened was, Jesus held a crusade. They were hungry. So what Jesus now did was, they multiplied bread and fish, distributed it to them. And those guys ate it. And you know supernatural bread. They tasted it. were like, no, this is not normal bread. <laughs> We've eaten bread. This one. You understand? You know when bread for heavenly picking. They ate it. Ah, do you understand what it means to eat bread and fish and to be looking for the person that gave you? It's not normal bread. It can't be normal bread. So he said, Jesus asked them and said, Very, very, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and you were filled. Hallelujah. It was not only sweet, it had a miraculous way of filling their stomach. So next verse. Labor not uh-huh, for the meat which what? Perished. But for that meat which what? Endureth unto what? Everlasting life. Are you seeing that? We are going to everlasting That's the goal. Life. Everlasting life. Now, next verse. Go on quick, quick, quick. Hallelujah. What happened? Your own Bibles? Uh-huh. Which the... Uh-huh. Hold on, no. Notice what we have been saying since morning. Praise God. If you don't notice, I will fight you. We said, God predestinated man conformed to what? The son. Is that correct? So, let all I've been saying be reflecting in what you are reading. Because it's the same thing. He said, which the son of man, so everlasting life, which the son of man shall what? Shall what? For him at God the father what? So, you can also read it, which the tree of life shall what? Huh? Huh? Good. For him had God the Father what? Steal. Fragizo. So that means God has said, or God has predetermined. Remember? God has purposed it. Clear? Clear? Good. Now, next verse 28. What does he say? Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might walk the works of God? Verse 29. He says, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he had what? Now, how many of you agree with me that God sent the tree into the garden? Because he planted the tree there. 
So how many of you have seen this now? Come on now. He planted the tree there, just as he planted Jesus on the earth. Uh, uh, uh. Right? He planted the tree there, just as he planted Jesus on the earth. So he says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that he what? Believe on him whom he had what? Sent. Ah, next verse, 30. They said therefore unto him, uh, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? They were not talking of it. They were not talking of it because they were saying, let us see before we believe. That's not faith. Faith is, you said it, I believe it. Faith is, leave your father's house, go to a land I will show you. Abraham had not seen the land, yet he left. That's faith. Are you following? So this was a manifestation of what? On good. He said, that we may see and believe it. What does that work? Show us a sign, be a magician. 31. Our fathers did eat manna ah, in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to what? Eat. Pay attention. All right. Then Jesus said unto them, very, very, I say unto you, Moses. Ah, yeah, yeah. Who is Miss? Who got it? Who got it? Okay, back up. Back up again. Back up. Our fathers did what? Eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven, what? To eat. Next verse, 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you what? So what he's saying is, what Moses gave you was not the real thing. It was a typology of the real thing. So he says, Moses gave you not that bread. So you know, ah, I'm going to come. To, I want to get to that old covenant part because that part, I'm just, I'm just. You understand? Because what is going on is in the old covenant, everything God wanted to give them by faith, He showed them by typology. Because of their unbelief, they couldn't get the substance. So God kept giving them what typology. So manna typology. Eh? Are you following? Typology. Pillar of cloud. Pillar of fire. Typology. Praise God. What's typology? The ministry of Aaron. High priest. Typology. All of that were all typologies of what they could really, they should really have had if they what? Believed. And enter into rest. But because they didn't believe, God said, this is what I wanted to give you. So typology. One sacrifice, typology. Hallelujah. Sin offering. This one offering, typology. I hope you know when they offered bunk sacrifices, God was not pleased with it. I don't know if you know that. God was not pleased with it. So it wasn't God sitting there and saying, Oh, 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 yes, the smell. Oh, yes. That anger I had towards your sin, that's abated. Okay, what do you want now? No. The Bible says sacrifices and offerings for sins thou wanted, wanted not, thou had no pleasure in, but a body as thou what prepared me. They were all typology for their conscience. Glory to God. It was for their conscience. Let's continue. 
there are something I, 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 we can't finish today because it's not I don't want to overload you praise God alright but we will cover some grounds <laughs> oh praise God praise God though <laughs> back up to 32 because let's look at it again I'm slowing down here so it will sink into your spirit then Jesus said unto them very very I say unto you Moses gave you not that bread from heaven but my father gave you the what from heaven Remember, bread is typology, sustenance, right? Where you get something from. All right, from heaven. 33, everybody read. For the bread of God is who? So the tree of life is what? E. So the tree is not a tree, it's a what? Person, a he. Just as the bread is a he. For the bread of God is he. Which cometh down from what? And give it what? Zoe unto the world. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Ah. The manna came down from heaven and gave them sustenance. Typology. But the manna of God came down from heaven and gave what? Life. Alright, next verse. 34. Then said they unto them, unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Holy. They thought he was still talking bread. <laughs> now, are you, are you seeing how frustrated Jesus must have been? He was talking spiritual realities. These guys were saying, yes, sir. <laughs> Can you imagine that? He, he said, the bread of God is he. And they said, give us the bread. <laughs> now, so Jesus now wants to jog, you know, jog to them. Look at this. Stage. 35. And Jesus said unto them. Because they didn't get it when he said the bread of God is he. So he now says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never what? Hunger for what? Life. Because if he has eaten me, he has life. And, alright, he can never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never what? Ha. So that means to eat of the bread of life is to what? Believe. So what? So what? So unbelief is the rejection of the life. Disobedience is the rejection of the life. Are you following? Church, are you following? So it says, and Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me, believeth on me, believeth on me, puts his trust on me, shall never thirst. 36. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me. And what? Oh, glory to God. No, hold it there. Oh, should I remove my suit? Hey, look what he said. He said, but I said unto you that ye also. So, who saw him before? He says, ye also. <laughs> Are you following? He said, you also. So, who saw him before? Who is the one that first saw him and believed not? Adam. That is why he used the same metaphor. Bread of life, tree of life. Is tree of life, he told Adam. Bread of life to the Israelites. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say ye also. Ye also. So the sin of Adam was what? Unbelief. Unbelief. The gospel was preached to him. And he rejected it. The life was offered to him as here. And he rejected it. Hallelujah. Next verse. 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise what? That salvation there and assurance. Glory to God. 38. Because the man that comes to him says, I want to be conformed to your image. Which means, I want to align with the eternal purpose of God that was instituted before time began. Why, you, why is God going to cast him out? He has aligned. Praise God. For I came, 38, for I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that what? Glory to God. What is that will? The purpose of God. Amen. In the what? Profound knowledge of God and as predestined by God. Glory to God. All right. But the will of him that sent me, 39. Go, go on, next verse. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. That of all which he had given me, I should what? I should what? So who is keeping those the Father has given him? Huh? Aha. Uh -huh. He says, so I should lose all sin, but should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40. He now says, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, and believeth what? May have what? Which means not everyone who sees the Son believes. We have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. 41. He now says, The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Then Jesus now wants to prepare them more. Verse 42. He now says, And they, they said, It's not this Jesus. Hmm. 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 It's not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? Next verse. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Mormon not among yourself, 44. Are you guys following? He said, no man can come to me, except the father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Next verse, 45. It is written in prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that had heard, and at length of the Father cometh unto what? Me. Which means he's saying, you cannot come to the Father and not come to me. Amen. Now, next verse. Not that any man hath seen the Father. Save he, which is of God. He hath seen the Father. 47. Verily, very I say unto you, he that believeth on me had what? Hey. He's going deeper now. Next verse. 48. I am that bread of life. Praise God. So it's a metaphor. You can remove bread of life and put tree of life. You can remove tree of life and put what? Book of life. So remember in Revelation where it says anyone's name was not found written in the book of life was what? Cast into what? What that is saying? Anyone who was not found in Christ. Praise the Lord. Anyone whose name was not found written. That means anyone who was not found where? 
That's what it means. There is no actual book here when they write anything. <laughs> Before you think that they got a giant book and they're writing, then they're using eraser. <laughs> the book. Stop being kana. The book is a person. The bread is a person. The tree is a what? That's why you check it. Instrumental in the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a person. The devil. Remember? Ah. Which tells you that the devil was preaching that because he had already eaten of it. Praise God. The first person to stand in opposition to God's plan was the devil. What is devil? What is Satan? Satan means opposer. So Satan is a name given to the devil, which is descriptive of his position in relation to God's plan. So Satan is the one who opposes God's plan. Hallelujah. So, in, oh, hallelujah. So what God was telling Adam, he said, listen, there are two ways. Righteousness by my son, praise God, or righteousness by works which leads to death. You understand? If you want to live your life away from my son, you have no life because before time began, I have predetermined for life to be domiciled in Jesus. If you choose anything away from Jesus, all you will have is what? Simple. But the devil now came and deceived Eve. He didn't deceive Adam. Do you know why? Adam was not deceived. Adam understood what he was told, but chose not to believe it to go another way. So it was not Eve's deception that caused the fall, but Adam's disobedience. That's why in Romans 5, Eve is not mentioned. Adam is who is mentioned. Because the unbelief was in Adam. The ignorance was in Eve. You can be deceived when you are ignorant. You cannot be deceived when you have all the facts. Praise the Lord. When you have all the facts and you don't do what you have to do, that is not deception. That is what? Disobedience. I am that bread of life. 49, it says what? Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. 50, it says what? This is the bread which cometh down from what? Heaven. That a man may eat thereof and not what? Die. So, you see, what Jesus is telling us is that he's trying to correct the consequences of Adam's disobedience. As we will see when we go to Romans 5. Because what Adam's disobedience brought was death. Sin and what? Dead. So what Jesus is coming to correct is life. Give you life. Amen. Life. And this is bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. So in Jesus, we find out that death was never in the plan. God did not create man to die. He created man to live forever. But the life he needed to have to live forever was domiciled in who? Jesus. So the men that decide to actually fulfill God's plan will actually what? Live forever. But the men that choose to be disobedient like Adam was will die. 
as it is in Genesis, as it was in Genesis 1, so it is now. Are you with me so far? All right. So have you noticed that there's consistency? All true. How many of you noticed that? Has I ever noticed that? All true. He said, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. 51. If, hey, 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man, everyone say any man. Any man eat of this bread, he shall what? Live forever. And the bread that I will give is my what? Flesh. Are you now seeing that? Metaphors now? Huh? So the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the what? Life of the world. 52. It now says, the Jews therefore strove among themselves. Say, how can this man give us his flesh? Are you seeing how carnal these guys were? See how carnal they were. 53 now says what? Then Jesus said to them, now, this is what I love about Jesus. They were saying, are, you, are we going to be carnal about Then instead of Jesus to calm down, Jesus fires on. He says, then Jesus said unto them, Very, very, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no what? Life in him. This is not only communion, no. Don't go and cross some people now and say it's good. No. Ah, we come to see only communion here. Amen. Say, Very, very, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no what? Life in you. I hope you know it's not talking of actual eating. We have established, all right, that what eating there is believing, right? Uh-huh, good. He said, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, at what? Eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. 55. <laughs> For my flesh is meat indeed. He was preparing them. And my blood is what? Drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me. Hey, yeah. And I were, which means that conforming to the image of the Son is the indwelling of the Spirit. Which also means Adam was not endured by the Holy Ghost. For he had, if he had eaten of the life, he would have been. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. 57. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he, had, he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Oh, glory to God. What this means is that just as Jesus is eternal because he is of the Father, you have become eternal because you have Jesus. So the assurance and the guarantee of your living eternally, all right, is already established in the eternity of Jesus. And now Jesus here, he's telling you, oh, glory to God. He said, as the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, that is talking about the resurrection. If that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you. So that means the resurrection of Jesus of the dead was by the Father. Hallelujah. So he's saying, as the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me even, he shall what? Live by me. Amen. Now, next verse. 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Next, 59. And now says, this thing said he in the synagogue. Yeah, by God, not in the marketplace. So. In the synagogue, as he taught in Capernaum. All right, next verse, 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard, had heard this said, this is an art saying. Who can hear it? 61. When Jesus knew himself that his disciples were about that, he, he said unto them, does this offend you? 62. 
What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Pre-incarnation. 63. Now listen. Now he said all of that in metaphors. Then he now goes there. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profited what? So it's not saying it's not my body. It's not my blood. It is the words that I speak unto you. They are spirit. And they are. So what he's saying, if you believe what I have said about what my body and my blood offered for you does, you have eaten of it. And if you have eaten of it, you have. Hallelujah. Are you following? Now, which means what happened in Genesis was Jesus, the Lord, preached the gospel to Adam, and Adam did what? Yeah. Romans 5. Adam did not, uh, it was not that he ate apple and that apple became sin in his spirit. No. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's why we don't have any mention of apple in the Pauline epistles. You have devil. Amen. 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 Now, hold on. I want to show you something. You know that scripture that says, if our gospel be hid, it is it to them that are what? Lost, in whom the God of this had what? Now, how many of you think it possible that 2 Corinthians 4.4 could also have applied to the first family? Because the devil was in Genesis 3. Because why couldn't they see it? Why, why couldn't they see it? What do you call it? Paul tells us that Eve was deceived. How was he deceived? He said that as the serpent beguiled Eve. So that means the inability of Eve to see what God was saying was because she had been deceived. She had been what? Beguiled. Are you following? So that same beguiling that Satan did to Eve is the one he's doing today. Because Paul goes on to say that so do not allow the devil to beguile you from the simplicity of what? The gospel. So the problem with the message to Adam and Eve was that they felt it was too simple. Think about it. The major problem with many of the religions of this world today, when they hear the gospel, and even those who say they are Christians, when you tell them what salvation is, they say, ah, just that. No, no. It's too simple. It's called the offense of the cross. It's too simple. How can you just say, I should just believe and it's fine? Is it not a license for me to sin? Are you now saying, are you now saying, are you now saying that I can now go and fornicate? I don't understand people. Why is it that it, when I tell you God loved you so much that I forgave all your sins, you now say, are you now saying God is saying I can now, I can now go and fornicate? Ah, what is your problem? How can your response to the benevolence of God be fornication? How? 
Praise God. According to scripture, the response of the man saved to the grace of God is living for him. That's the response, not sin. If the response is sin, we need to question if that man is saved. Because salvation is not just forgiveness of sins. It is receiving a new life. A new nature. My desires have changed. How can I see Christ on the cross bleeding my side? All right? And the sins of the whole world laid on him. And I see how much pain he went through. How ugly it was. Then my worship to him is that I go and carry Olusho. And say, ah, my go Olusho. Yeah. Baby, oh yeah, let's go. Go down low. Go down low. I have forgiveness of sins. Anything I can do, any. How? From how? From where to where? How? If a man tells me that, I'll sit him down and begin to preach the gospel to him. It doesn't add up. Ah, uh-uh. the same gospel that people heard and they sold property. You say you heard it. And you will continue your sin. How? It means we have to question that gospel. Are you following what I'm saying? This question is 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 okrika. You understand? It's fake. It's fake. You need to question it. So you come to preach to somebody and tell the person, guys, let me tell you the gospel I heard when I grew up. I was growing up, brethren. I was nobody. God made me somebody. I came from the village. And you see, I had nothing. Just a bag, a bag on my back. I was poor, disgusted. My father was a farmer. I came to the city. Then when I found Jesus, my life changed. I mean, doors just kept opening. I traveled. I've gone to 150 countries of the world. I have this, I have that, I have this. All because of Jesus. Come to Jesus and you turn your life around. My brother, Nigeria is the property capital of the world. If you come with a gospel that sounds like economic empowerment, they will come to the front for altar corner. And all purpose Jesus. Now, can Jesus do all of those things? Yes. But that's not the gospel. So if your message is all purpose Jesus, come to Jesus, he will give you wife. Come to Jesus, he will give you husband. Come to Jesus, he will give you car. He will give you house. He will give you Canadian visa. After that, you will not need to pray again. Come to Jesus and he will take you out of the country. When you, all of that, Jesus, all purpose, Bobo Nishé Jesus, you understand? Then when you have done that, they will, uh, uh, what you are doing, you are going to pack a lot of unsaved people there. Who will come to Jesus and join the church, then sit down. Okay, I've accepted Jesus now. Oh yeah, let's ask. Yes, cash out. Oh yeah, now. You understand? Where is the visa? So that's why, listen, that is why many of the counseling in those churches is usually about the promises that was made on the crusade ground that they've not seen. I've not yet had a child. I've not yet been healed. I have not yet gotten the visa. Things are not getting better. Are you following? Then what will the pastor do? Prayer point. Two seeds, best fruits, drop all your salary, sacrifice, move God, challenge God. You will see, you understand. <laughs> now, what happens? That person now says, Okay, that's the secret, Abby. I will do it. 
move God, challenge God. Prayer, fasting, do all of those things. First fruit and this and that. Why? The initial promise. He's still waiting for it. So when he doesn't get it, he says all this is rubbish. Then he borrows money and travels to Canada. Everything's working there. He stops praying. He stops fasting. Then says religion in Africa is a scam. That since I got here, my prayer point has reduced. I don't need to pray for light. I don't need to pray for car. I don't need to pray for house. Because the gospel he had was a gospel that was supposed to be economic empowerment. The gospel of a better life. Are you following what I'm saying? So his prayer life was regulated by needs. Not the purpose that God set before what? Time began. Most times, those people were never really saved. That's why you ask, what's the gospel? I don't smoke. I don't even, I live a good life. <laughs> you understand? That's not the gospel. He doesn't talk of bread of life. He doesn't talk about living forever. He doesn't talk about faith. He doesn't talk about the grace of God. That's by graces. He doesn't talk about that. He talks about himself. Which means, he has not been changed from the nature of his forefather, Adam. He's still in unbelief. The fact that I spoke in tongues doesn't change anything. Anyone can mimic tongue. The authenticity of tongue is not in rababugububu. It is in the presence of the indwelling spirit. Is the spirit there? How will you know the spirit is there? By what he says about the gospel. No man can say, Jesus is Lord. But by what? So that means we are able to tell which spirit is in a man by what he says. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Hmm. Praise God. So in crusade ground, people say a lot of things. The Lord has been telling me is that the new crusade ground, the 21st century, is in the church. Think about it. We have done one a harvest of on on of unsaved people inside church. Who are in the departments, who are in ocean, all of that, you understand? So now what we need to do, because they are not yet sheep, they are goods. What we now have to do is down that if you notice, most churches to keep their people in church, what they have to do is that they are finding that they are not responding to things sheep will respond to. So they have to introduce things goat-like. Are you following? So they are bringing comedy into church. Why? Because we found out that the people in the church don't have the joy of the Holy Ghost. So we have to bring substitutes. Are you following? Are you following? So we now have to talk about business on Sunday morning where we to people that don't understand Bible doctrine. You understand? We have to bring Tony Lemelu, all those people to come and be talking about how to make one billion dollars and stuff. And the pastor will be saying, You can see faith. They'll be pointing to a person who does not have a living, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ as faith. Because the definition of the Pentecostal church as regards faith is as regards money, the building. He cast. Whereas in Hebrews 11, it was about Christ. It was about Christ. My saying, God is not, cannot give you all of that. He can. But we must not make, replace the tree of life that's supposed to be in the midst of the garden. And now put an idol there. And all of us will be worshipping it. Our singing is about blowing. Our worship is about blowing. Our prayer is about blowing. Yeah, you see? Everybody has forgotten to pray about the plan. 
and build their life around the plan. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So don't assume the man is born again, no. He may not be. Let's continue. Where was I? Huh? Ah, Romans 5. Let's go there. Is this blessing anybody? If it is, let me see your hand. Put it up. Romans chapter. Oh, yes. No, no. Before we go to Romans 5. We've not defined sin. Romans 3 and 23. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we there? Now, everybody can we read. One, two, go. It says what? Is again. Huh. All have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Now, what is sin? The word sin there is a Greek word, amatia. Hold on. Sin. That is what? That is what? That is what? I read now. You can't see it. That is what? Sinned. It's different from sin. All right? So the word sin is amatia. And the word sinned is hamatano. One is a noun. The other is a verb. Okay? Now, the word am, 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 amatia, what does it mean? Amatia is an accounting, uh, is an accounting and a ledger, le, um, a, 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 a legal term. So you see, in accounting, you know you have the debit and credit side. Hmm? So you are doing entries, 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 entries. Then when you want to do the balance, you now find out that the debit does not balance with what credit. What has happened? It means that there is a short, right? There is a falling short somewhere. I mean, if you understand what I'm saying, there's a deficit, right? Which means because it doesn't balance, there is no equity. You understand? You cannot now make a justification because there is a deficit. Praise God. So that expression, come short, is the deficit. Amen. Now, the word amatia in the Greek actually means, amatia, what it means in English is to miss the mark. Or to miss the plan. Or to miss the target. The word amatia means to miss the mark. Or to miss the plan, or to miss the target. Now, from what we've been saying this morning, what was the plan? What was the plan? Conforming to what? To the image of Christ. Adam, by unbelief, what happened? He missed the plan. So he, he said that Adam sinned. What does that mean? Adam missed God's plan. 
So because he missed God's plan and deviated from it, he came short of the glory of God. So that means what Adam was trying to do, pay attention, oh, glory to God. What Adam was trying to do was to attain the glory of God, all right, without following the plan. That is righteousness attainment by my own plan. My own way. Glory to God. That's, that's what it is. From all we've said. So, because he tried to do it his own way, the Bible says he came short of the glory of God. He didn't mean he fell from the glory of God. No. That means he couldn't attain. He came short of it. Accounts did not balance. Are you following? That means there was a deficit. So because there was that deficit, amen, he couldn't receive the glory of God, the life of God. Why? Because that deficit is only filled where? In Christ. How many of you understand? How many of you understand? So it now says, for all have sinned. We will now introspect on that all. Because do we have automatic transmission of sin? Is this that when somebody is born, is born a sinner? Hallelujah. How was Adam born? A natural man, right? And he was said to sin. To have sin in response to what? In response to what? Talk loud now. You won't get F now. He was said to have sin in response to what? Rejecting what? Rejecting what? Rejecting what? God's plan. All right. Okay, in rejecting God's plan. Was Abel righteous? He was righteous. Talk to me. Was he righteous? So, if he was righteous, and he says all have sinned, how do you reconcile that? Let me tell you why it's important we answer this question. Because if Adam sinned, automatically made all men sinners without their decision, it would therefore mean that Christ's righteousness automatically makes all men righteous without their decision. So, if Adam brought universal condemnation, it would therefore mean Christ brought universal what? That is universalism. Which some people are beginning to do what? So it's an important question. Do what? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, you know Psalm 51. That says, David was saying, for I was what? I was what? Chapin in what? And in sin did my mother, my what? My mother, 
So the question is this, what was he talking about? How many of you ever wondered about that story in the Bible? When Samuel comes to the house of Jesse and David was not there. Samuel asks for Jesse's sons. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And David was not there. In fact, David was an afterthought. Why? Why? How many of you know why? How many of you have thought about that? Come on, how many of you have thought about that? Why? Jesse was not a bad guy. Why was David an afterthought? Why was it that they called for the sons of Jesse? Jesse called seven sons. David wasn't called. Then, Jesse sends David to look after the sheep during that meeting. And where David was looking after the sheep was so dangerous that a lion and a bear attacked him. Which means that David was alone with no help looking after sheep. There was no care of a father to a son, to David. Why? If you understand Judaism and Jewish law well, it will become apparent why that was. Now, we only, I'm always very careful about some things, right? Because the canon of scripture as we have it is not very clear on David's destiny. Although, in the oral Torah, I don't like quoting from the oral Torah of the Talmud, right? In the Talmud, it is said that David's mother was not the mother of all the other brothers. Do you understand? That David's mother was like a concubine. So you find out something very instructive. David's mother was not mentioned. We know Solomon's mother. We know all of the mothers of the sons of David. But David's mother was not mentioned. And there is only one reason why many a time that is in chronology. Bible chronology. It was an illegitimate marriage. How many of you understand what I'm saying? It was an illegitimate marriage. So when David said, for I was shaping in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. He was talking about the manner of his conception. He didn't say we were shaping iniquity. He said I. Are you following? Okay. Now. We now, now have to obviously now explain Romans 5. Abi. <laughs> ah, we've not talked about old covenant. Ah, we are going for our chicho. Okay, I'm afraid I enjoying you are having a nice time. Okay, I will do mine. Can I drink water? Okay, you know, you are sitting down here. I'm the one talking. So, 
And you can also sow a seed of Amal, Amala and Joseph. Yes. And we'll drink water smoothies after. Don't be someone said one time a man of God was preaching and he was drinking water. He said it's an the man of God was desecrating the water. By the way, I hope you know this is not water. Praise God. He stayed Joe. We don't offer sacrifice of blood and booze here. Hallelujah. The altar is in our hearts. We offer spiritual sacrifices. Praise the Lord. Ah, let me drink some, some, some more. Amen. Mm-hmm. Romans 5. Let's go there. So, the Pauline epistles are the explanations of the Old Testament. So many other times when you're reading in Pauline epistles, a concept from the Old Testament is being explained. And the moment you understand this, the more clarity you are going to have. And let me just also say this. The Lord would have me say this. He would have me tell somebody here that you need a ministry gift. And the reason why you need a ministry gift is because there are certain things you will not come to by yourself. Hallelujah. How many of you have read, seen some scriptures? We've read it before. But until we started talking about it, you never saw it like that. How many of you? Let me see your hand. Yes, because it is, it is actually grace. that It's grace. It's, it's, that's ministry gift. There are certain things I, I sometimes study and I see. And I, always, I will tell you it's grace. Not, it's not by um, academic study because a natural man may do, see, check it and not see it. It's grace. You understand? And the truth you get, I won't lie to you. I listen to many teachers, but the truth about it is that there are many things. Most of the things I teach, I come to it myself. And I find out that other have teachers also, there are other teachers that agree with that. Praise God. Just grace. And I must salute to your training. You know you have been trained. This way you are sitting down to hear the word of God. Put your hands together for yourself. That's fantastic. Now, Romans 5 says, Therefore, hmm. Therefore, anytime you see therefore, you need to ask what it is there for. So, we have to go to Romans chapter 4. Because if he says therefore, and you don't know what it is there for, you would interpret the entire sequence out of context. Are you following? Now, Romans 4, verse 1. He's explaining Genesis. <laughs> I've told you, no person is going to heaven on the basis of his own works. Someone asked, did Adam eventually believe um, well, scripture suggests that he did. How do I know? How did Abel know to offer blood sacrifices? And Adam also named, gave his son a name called what? Seth. What does Seth mean? What does that mean? 
that's assignment. Go and look for it. Go and look for it. Then also the very fact that in the lineage of Adam, there was a Noah, there was a Enoch. Enoch was the eighth person from what? From Adam. Hallelujah. And if you look at that genealogy, it's very likely that Adam was alive at the birth of Enoch. Hallelujah. Because Adam lived to close to 1,000 years. You know that? So the person that must have been discipling and teaching his lineage, passing across what happened, was who? Was Adam. This is a mistake I made. Amen. So, Abel believed the gospel and offered what? Sacrifices in faith in the atonement of Jesus. Cain didn't. Cain killed Abel. After Cain killed Abel, Adam he came and said, no, we need to have another child. You know why? Because they understood that it couldn't be through the lineage of Cain that the seed of the woman was going to come. Because the seed of the woman is going to come to the lineage of faith. Are you following? Ah. So, they had Seth. So, Seth was to replace Abel in the plan of God. What was that plan? The plan he promised before time. Praise the Lord. So, after they rejected and saw what was happening, death in their body, they now understood what was going on. But let's, let's read. Romans, uh -huh. everybody read wants to go. It says what? What shall we say then that Abraham our father has pertained to the flesh has found? Verse four, 2, everybody read want to go. It says what? Just keep reading. Hold on. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for what? Aha. Was Abraham the first to believe God? No. Noah believed God. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. Enoch believed God and he was translated. These are the heroes of faith. All right. And what, when he says believed God, what did they believe? They believed the gospel. For Galatians chapter 3. In verse 8, it says, And God before, preaching the gospel to what Abraham said to him, In thee shall what? All the nations of the earth shall be what? Jesus said, Abraham uh, desired to see my day, and he saw it and was what? Ah. Adam saw his day, rejected. Abraham saw his day, accepted. Noah saw his day, accepted. Abel saw his day, accepted. Enoch saw his day, translated. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Isaac saw his day, accepted. Jacob saw his day, accepted. Joseph saw his day, accepted. Judah saw his day, accepted. All those acceptance were by faith. And because they accepted by faith, like Abraham did, all of them received righteousness as a promise. 
Why? Because the promise God made to give eternal life was yet for the future. Praise the Lord. Future. So they believed God's plan and they hoped and had faith for it. Hope was they wanted it to come. Faith was they believed it to come. Amen. Now, he said, well, what says the scripture? Abraham believed God and was counted unto him to righteousness. Verse 4. Now to him that walketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of what? Of death. 5. But to him that walketh not, but believeth on him, the ungodly, his faith is what? Ah, so it's faith now. Faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God what? Imputed righteousness without works. Saying, blessed are they whose what? Iniquities are what? And whose sins are what? Covered. He said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not what? So that is what righteousness is. God is not going to hold your sin against you. Second Corinthians 5.14 also. Come at this blessedness upon circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was what? Reckoned for, to Abraham for what? Righteousness. So faith was reckoned for what? Righteousness. Now, next. How was it their record? When he was in circumcision or uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but what? In what? Uncircumcision. Verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while being what? Uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be what? Though they be not what? Circumcised, that righteousness by being put unto them also. Which, what is he telling you? He's telling you that the Abrahamic covenant and the blessing was not to the Jews alone. So the Abrahamic covenant was between God, all right, so to speak, and Abraham for the purpose of the world. Okay, let me try and, because of time, this is it. God sought a partnership with Adam to populate the whole world with eternal life. Adam did what? Adam did what? Rejected. Adam was an individual. Then God goes to Abel. Abel agrees. In faith, offer sacrifice. Cain, the Bible calls him, who was a son of the what? That evil one. The moment Cain saw that Abel had believed and aligned with God, he became envious of him. And the devil moved him against Abel and he killed Abel. Are you seeing that? So God needed another partner. Moved Adam and Eve to know each other again, to sleep with each other again, by the way. Know each other is King James. All right. Praise God. All right. Sleep with each other again, and they produce Seth. All right. We don't have anything that says Seth had any relationship with God or anything like that. You know that? You didn't know that. So we just have that Seth gave birth and he begat. May your testimony not be that you begat, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. It was just begat, begat, begat. Yeah. Then, it goes on that the next person we see is who? Is who? Is who now? Enoch. Enoch. Now, Enoch agrees. Praise the Lord. And Enoch was a preacher of righteousness. Because the Bible lets us know that, for example, we go to the book of um, Peter, Second Peter, we find that Enoch was quoted. It says, no, it's not second, Jude 1, sorry. He says, the Lord cometh with what? 10,000 of what? Of his saints. Praise the Lord. Which means Enoch was a preacher of righteousness. So that means Enoch was preaching the gospel. 
So we have that the first recorded preacher, all right, of the gospel that we know of, praise God, was Enoch. The Bible says Enoch did what? Walked with God. What does walk with God mean? It doesn't mean you're God to exist in good morning, God. How are you doing, God? You know, some people, they have this mindset of walking with God that is romance. You understand? Holy Spirit, good morning. I feel your hands around me. Darling, Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that they're always talking about never leads them to preach the gospel. It's always a wonderful time between them and the Holy Spirit. Never a wonderful time between them and their disciples that they have won through the leading of the Spirit. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Enoch walked with God. He was a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of the gospel. But the Bible never tells us that through the preaching of Enoch, anybody believed. Are you following? Do you know any of Enoch's disciples? I don't know anyone particularly. The one that clumps closest is Noah. Because if you study the genealogy, Noah and Enoch were alive at the same time for some time. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. So after Enoch, the next person was who? Noah. God must have reached out to every other person. The only person that responded was who? Noah. A flood was coming. Only Noah and his family were what? Were saved. Hallelujah. Then after that, we have a long hiatus. Then we come to who? Abraham. Now, for the first time, God now enters into a covenant with Abraham for the purpose of raising a nation. Because God was going to them one by one. He was trying, he was going to them one by one. He wanted to raise a nation. One by one. But it was not possible. So this one will believe, but his family and all, you don't see them believing. Praise God. For example, look at Noah. You had Shem, Am, and Japheth. All right? We know that Shem and um, um, the, first, the two, first two sons, Shem and Ham, all right, were cool. But Canaan, the son of one of the sons of Ham, all right, the Shem and Japheth were cool. But the son of Ham, Canaan, all right, saw his father uncovered, praise God, in the mist, all right, and God went to tell it. Then his father cursed him. God couldn't use that. Hallelujah. God couldn't use that. So though Noah was justified because he believed in the redemption, all right, God goes and looks for who? Abraham. Gives Abraham an instruction, says, leave your father's house, leave your mother's house for a land I will show you. Then gives him the listen, I will make you this, blah, blah, blah. Abraham believed and obeyed. Then in Genesis 15, it says, and Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for what? For righteousness. Then he goes and says, and God says that, he says, I know Abraham, for he will come. He said, will I hide this thing from my servant Abraham? For I know Abraham, for he will instruct his household in my ways. What was God trying to do with the contract with Abraham? God was saying, okay, what I want to do is this. I want to raise a nation of men and women who have conformed to what? The image of the son. Abraham by faith, all right? As accepted to conform because he believed the gospel and we see that he believed the gospel by when God tells him oh let's let's turn in the Genesis 
You know what? I, you we wondering why I passed. Why are you rushing now? I want to try and finish at a particular time with questions so that we can go on outreach. You know why? As a pastor, I've learned from experience. If I, many of you are ministers, look at everybody, learn from what I want to say. As a pastor, I've learned from experience that if I extend this meeting very long, it will affect service tomorrow. You don't affect some people say, ah, I've gotten a lot of words. <laughs> the word I got was out of the ah, is enough. <laughs> Till next Sunday. So let us manage this thing well. Amen. <laughs> ah. I, I used to notice something when I used to, we used to hold Holy Ghost meetings on Friday night. So we have prayer meeting, Holy Ghost meeting from, I think it was 10 o'clock, 10 or 9. And we finished like 5 a.m. I always noticed it, and I was, I was going on. I would just notice that every time we had that video, the Sunday after it, attendance would drop. And now you're like, because the power of God will be so strong. I don't even remember, you know those meetings? Power of God will be so strong. I was like, ah, so what has God, what was that? Ah, the power, the power I received on Friday. I have not recovered from the Friday. <laughs> I never recovered, so let me recover. <laughs> oh! God, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now look at the book of Genesis. Let's go there. You got, you can, we have time for questions, so you can ask it. How I've missed some things I wanted to share. Uh, Genesis 22. The book of Genesis chapter number 22. And verse 1. We want to talk about when God tells Abraham to go and kill Isaac, or rather, offer him up as a what? Want of him. That story was to show you that Abraham believed in the sacrifice of who? Of who? Jesus. See, it. and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now, the tempting you have here is not a tempting to evil. It was a tempting to see, all right, what Abraham believed. You understand? So basically, this is written to us for us to see something. God wanted us to see. This was written for our benefit. You know, the Bible says the things that were written at four times were written what? For our what? Learning. Uh-huh. All right. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Next verse, 2. And he said, Pay attention, though. Are you awake? He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou art. Ah, ah, number one. At this point, Abraham had two sons. They were Ishmael and Isaac. So, naturally speaking, it would have been incorrect, or it is incorrect to say Isaac was Abraham's only son. Are you following what I'm saying? So, what we are seeing here is what? Typology. So, when he says, thine only son, just like in Genesis 12, it says, to you and thy seed. And Galatians 3, 16 said, the seed is not of many, but the seed is of one, which is what? Christ. That's typology. Are you seeing that? So he says, and he said, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and 
get into the land of what? Moriah. Moriah is present-day Calvary. Hallelujah. All right, Moriah is the land where the temple of Solomon is a plain. It's not just one place. It's a wide plain. Praise God. All right? He said, take him to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a what? Burnt offering upon one of the what? Which is the hill. An elevated place. Hallelujah. Where was Christ offered? Calvary is a hill. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will what? And he was speaking about his crucifixion. So God is telling Abraham to take his son and offer him as a burnt offering on a hill. Calvary, when Jesus was crucified, that's a burnt offering. The difference is the fire wasn't physical. The fire is judgment. Praise God. Judgment for sin. So it was a judgment of God on the body of Jesus for sin. So Calvary, Jesus being on that cross was a burnt offering. Is he for, are you following? Amen. He that knew no sin became sin for us. That's burnt offering. Why? Because in a burnt offering, the high priest lays his hand on the head of the, of the sheep and confesses the sins of the nation on that sheep. By that principle, he transfers the sin of the nation or imputes the sin of the nation to the sheep, making that sheep worthy of death. So the fire placed on the body of the sheep to burn it after it has been killed, glory to God, amen, all right, is the burnt offering, a picture of judgment for sin. Are you following? The difference is on the cross, the fire is not physical. The fire is God's judgment. The fire is God's judicial accounting of the sins of men to the Son of God. So he that knew no sin became sin for us. That's the judgment. So that by the grace of God, he would taste death for what? Every man. Hebrews 2, 9, 14. Is this clear? Is this clear? So he says, that's, uh, and get into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. Upon one of the mountains which I tell thee. Verse 3. Pay attention. And Abraham was up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son. And cleft the wood for the burnt offering. And rose up and went on the place of which God had told him. Verse 4. Go on. He says, then on the third day, glory to God, third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young man, young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. Next verse. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Verse 7. <laughs> Very interesting. And Isaac spoke unto his, Abraham, his father. Pay attention. And said, I want you to pay attention. No, pay attention. No, first, people have said something that, oh, Isaac, he followed his father. Isaac followed his father. Eh? He was, he didn't, you don't understand. You don't understand. Some people don't understand. Isaac was discipled. Isaac was Abraham's disciple. Isaac was taught by Abraham what God had promised. Abraham knew what God had promised. Abraham knew it was not just Canaan. He knew. That's why Jesus said he saw my day and rejoiced. He was glad. 
The submission of Isaac was alignment to God's plan. Praise God. Because Abraham told Isaac about the resurrection. I will show you now. You see, it's in the Bible. Let's continue. He says, and Isaac spoke unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Did he say to Isaac, You are the lamb? <laughs> no. Look at what he says in verse 8. This is language of redemption. Oh! And Abraham said, My son. Huh? My son. God will provide himself a lamb for a not offering. God will provide himself. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? What was he telling Isaac? You are not the lamb. So they went both of them together. That God will provide the lamb he wants to use. Hallelujah. So what you are seeing here is what is faith. Is what? Faith has seen something. Hallelujah. Abraham had seen. He had seen. He had seen the Lord. He had seen the Lord offered on the cross. He had seen him rise from the dead. You will see that in Hebrews in a moment. Now, then when both of them together, verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Next verse. Now, why did Abraham want to kill his son? Because in the gospel and what God has showed him, God was going to give himself, provide himself a what? A lamb. That lamb will die. Eh? And after that lamb has died, what is going to happen? He will be raised from the dead. Yeah. So when Abraham was about to kill his son, he was not killing his son that the son will stay dead. Because that will not align with the gospel message. Oh! Are you following? I'll show you. Look at Hebrews. Ah. So vexed, so. You are not Isaac. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Is this thing sweeting your spirit? Amen. Hallelujah. Where, where is my Genesis? So, where did I put it? Ah, ha, ha. Hold on. Uh-huh. Hebrews 11. And verse 18. So, Pastor, Deb has a lot to tweet about. Yes, ready? Yeah, by the way, we are going to do we are going to do tweet storm after we finish. You know we do it now. The gospel has to go digital. Can I get an amen? Praise God. Ah. 
Verse 18, can you read it? It says what? Of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be what? God. All right, 19. Accounting that God was able, this is talking about when you want to offer Isaac, accounting that God was able to what? Raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a what? In a figure, in a tupose. Tupose, that's what figure, and that means tight. What is he saying? The scripture is saying that when Abraham took Isaac and put him on that altar, like God took Jesus and put him on the cross, hallelujah, and he took that knife to offer Isaac, and God said, stop! God, the scripture is saying, the willingness of Abraham to go through with it, hallelujah, in the realm of God, God saw it that he killed Isaac. That he killed Isaac, and he received him back again to himself. Hallelujah. The reason why God did not allow Abraham to go through with killing his son was because if he did so, it would seem as though Human sacrifices was allowed by God. Are you following? So you will now find that people will now begin to offer up their children as sacrifice to God, like Papa Abraham did. So it was not because that it wasn't God stopping Abraham because he couldn't raise Isaac up. No. Abraham was offering Isaac fully persuaded. You know why? Because God had made promises to him that in Isaac shall the seed be called. So he knew that that was not the dead or end of Isaac. So he knew. He was persuaded. That is why the Bible calls it Abraham is the father. There was no one before him. Hallelujah. But Abraham is the father of it. Why? Because in Abraham, the gospel is totally and completely exemplified. So even Abraham's bosom, that Enoch was present in before Abraham arrived, was named Abraham's bosom. Hallelujah. Are you following? So, by that action, Abraham shows us he believed in the, what? Gospel. Praise the Lord. He believed in what? He received him in a figure. Now, let us now explain the old covenant. We've explained sin, right? We've explained sin. Um, we've not finished that explanation. We've not finished that explanation, right? Romans 5, we've not finished it, right? So let's go back there. Because that's important. Romans 5. Now, let's quickly go to Romans 5 and verse 11 and we read down. Now, everybody, can we read? It says, and not all only so, but we also join in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the word atonement. Now, verse 12, everybody, we want to go. Wherefore, as by one man, hold on, as one by one man, sin did what? Now, so that means, because of one man's disobedience, go to 19, it will tell you, we'll, back, we'll come back to 12. 
Go to 19. One man's disobedience. For as by one man's disobedience, look how it says. Notice something very important. Did he say all? Did he say all? Did he say all? He said what? Huh. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made what? Sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall what? Many be made what? So that means the reason why you have many here and many here is because out of all, the ones who appropriate by faith are the many on the side of Jesus and the one who what? Reject by unbelief are the what? Many on the side of who? Are the, on the side of who? Yeah. So for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall what? Many be made what? Righteous. Next verse. Pay attention. Next verse, it says what? Moreover, the law entered. Uh, okay, we are, we, this one, we, we, we have to get there because we, we have not, we're not there yet. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more what? Abound. Now go back to verse 12. It says, For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death did what? Passed upon what? For that what? Now, what is he describing? This is Genesis. Okay? Now, you see that word death? Past? Past? Now, that word past is the Greek word, I think it's diekomai. Let's turn in there quickly. Let me check. And what it means is that to travel. When he says past, diekomai, it means to travel. Amen? Amen? So what? Travel. So, when Adam sinned, notice he didn't die immediately. Then, you find out as you look through the scripture, from Adam to the time of Noah, after the flood, the age and the time men had to live was doing what? It was what? It was reducing. What was going on? Death was what? The ascendancy and the dominion of death was what? Traveling until it passed upon all men. Hallelujah. Until it did what? Passed upon all men. For it now says, for that what? All have sinned. Now when he says all have sinned, it therefore means that the all that have sinned according to the context of Genesis was, all of them also fell after the same pattern of unbelief as who? Adam. Hallelujah. Just as with Jesus, we fall after the same pattern of what? Of faith. And how does that happen? Through preaching and what? Discipleship. Amen. So, these guys also the same thing. They pass of all the same pattern of what? Unbelief. Like Adam. Verse 13. It now says what? For until the law, sin was where? But sin is not what? Imputed. When there is what? No law. 14. Alright? Nevertheless, death reigned from what? Adam to what? Moses. Even over them that had not what sinned after the similitude of what Adam's transgression, 
who is the figure of him that was to come? So what is he saying? Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. He's talking about the guys who believed the gospel but still died. So what Adam's sin actually passed to all men was what? Are you following? Are you following? Death! So even though uh, Abraham believed, he died. Isaac believed, he died. Why? Because Adam, the progenitor, brought what? Death in by sin. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Are you following that? Are you following that? Amen. Over them that are not after the female of Adam, who is the figure of him to come. Next verse, 15. But not as the word offense, so also is the word pre-gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the word, the grace, gone of, of what? Of one, of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, and abounded unto what? Many. 16. For if by one man's offense, ah, okay, and not as it was by one that sin so is the gift, for the other was by one to condemnation, but the figure was of many offenses unto what? Justification. Now, hold on. He says, not as it was by one that sin so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to what? Condemnation. Condemnation to what? Condemnation to what? To what? To death. Right? Death. He now says, but the figure is of many offenses unto justification. Now listen. When Jesus died and offered the sacrifice for sins, God's declaration is, I will no longer hold the sins of, of man. That's the whole word against you. Second Corinthians 5. Because many people think it's when we say it's Jesus, what is the gospel is God is not old counting the sins of the world. 19. So with that God, second Corinthians 5 19. So with that God was in Christ, reconciling the what? Cosmos unto what? Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Are you seeing that? And had committed unto them, unto us, the word of what? So that means he is not holding the sins of the world against them. But is the world saved? Have you seen that? So the sentence is, I'm not holding the sin of the world against them. But it will only be appropriated by those in the world that believe in, look at verse 21. For he had made him to be what? Sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be what? Made the righteousness of what? Of God. Look at 20, it's very key. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye what? But I thought he said he had already reconciled us. Hallelujah. So when he says he has already reconciled us, he's talking about he has reconciled us through the sacrifice of Jesus. So there's a sentence, all right? In Christ Jesus, that's where life is. 
So the guy who is who chooses to reconcile, all right, with God, he reconciles by coming in faith. Praise God in Jesus. So that means there is something the man has to do. Hallelujah. To receive what God has made available. And that is that man must come by what? By what? In the same vein. When Adam sinned, a sentence of condemnation was passed. Condemnation to death. When God told him, if you eat of the tree of this, you shall surely what? Hallelujah. Amen. So he was one. He was told. Hallelujah. Now, any man, glory to God, who keys into that sentence by what? Unbelief. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Is a sinner like Adam is a sinner. So that's why we have a lineage of a select people who, though, all right, were born after the image of Adam, heard the gospel and believed it. That's why you find out that when Abraham is being spoken about, Abraham is spoken about as one who received what? Righteousness. He's called a righteous man. So he bore the image of Adam. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which means even men after Adam sinned had a choice whether they were going to be in the lineage of unbelief or to what? Believe in the promise. Are you following? So what God wanted to do was he wanted to now raise a nation of men who believed in the promise. So that as a nation, they will align with him, hallelujah, to bring that promise to pass. Are you following? Are you following? So that's why, for example, it was necessary for them to go to Canaan. Because God had already ensured that in types and, uh, and shadows, he had already signed a contract with Abraham saying, listen, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. And the reason I'm going to give you the land of Canaan is because Moriah is in Canaan. And there is a hill in Canaan where my son is going to be offered just like you offered your own son on that hill. All right? As redemption for sins. You understand? So the reason for Canaan being the promised land was for Christ. Are you following? So they needed to fight as a nation to take Canaan. The reason they had to fight as a nation to take Canaan was for Christ. The reason why Saul had to be rejected as king was for Christ. Because Saul was not aligning to purpose. Amen. God will say, do this, he will have his own mind. Do this, he will have his own mind. So they had to remove him and bring David. It was not about liking Saul or not liking Saul. It was about what? The plan. So anybody that was going to hinder that plan, they take him out. Hallelujah. When the king of Israel, all of them were given to idolatry. Given to idolatry. Given to idolatry. Israel was sold to what? To slavery. Why? Because when they were sold to slavery and they were in Babylon, all right, God was trying to protect that land. Then God brought Cyrus. And Cyrus' job was to bring Israel back from captivity into Canaan. Are you following? Then like that, then the prophets came and all those prophets came and they were to align to purpose. Their prophecies was about Christ. So when they prophesied about nations and don't go here, don't do this, it was because of the central purpose. Hallelujah. God wanted a nation he could partner with on the earth to actualize the word incarnation of Christ so that Christ will offer that sacrifice 
all right, uncovered. Now, let me just quickly say this because of time. Why was God so committed to this plan? Notice, God entered into a covenant with Abraham. Now, let me tell you what a covenant is. A covenant is an agreement between two people. Now, in the Oriental religions, back in the, in the medieval period, oh no, the medieval period is, you know, Europe, that is after like 15th century. And what I'm talking, I'm talking of, you know, way, 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 way back. When they wanted to enter into a co covenant, if you look at the covenant that was caught between Abraham and Abimelech, and you look at the covenant that was caught between God and Abraham, you find out that what they do is both of them will bring the sacrifice. Covenant over, uh, in, in, the, in this period was never caught without blood. And what the covenant meant was this. When I was in a covenant with you, it meant that if I'm in trouble, you'll come and help me. It's called a confederacy, usually berith. The word covenant in the Hebrew is the word berith. That is B-E-R-I-T-H. It means a confederacy. You understand? I don't know if you know what a confederate is. Confederate means. It means that if we are in covenant, if you come against me, you have come against this person. I may remember the story of the children of Israel when they went into a covenant with Gibeon. Um, the, yeah, it's not the Gibeonites. That tricked the children of Israel. Uh -huh. You notice that the Bible says that a particular kingdom came against Gibeon because they went to covenant themselves with Israel. And the Gibeonites sent a message to Joshua. And because they attacked them, Joshua mobilized the army to fight for the Gibeon. Or fight. Why? It's a confederacy. At the same time, you find out that uh, when David was king, okay, one of the sons of Saul, Ishbosheth, did something evil. I think sons of Saul, or Saul himself, did something evil against the Gibeonites. Hallelujah. Because of that action, the Bible says that there was famine in Israel. And when David inquired, what the Lord said was, it was because of what the king did against the Gibeonites, forgetting that there was a covenant. So in the eyes of God, God saw Israel and the Gibeonites as what? One. So with the covenant between Abraham and God, what was happening was, God was saying, me and you, we are what? We are one. So when God promised to Abraham, I'm going to take your, your seed and all this and that, and I'm going to give them Canaan. Praise God. And when he said to Abraham, in thee shall all the what? God was committing himself to those words. Hallelujah. Then in Hebrew, the Bible says that a covenant or a testament is not in what? It's not in what? Pause. Until what? Now, in the covenant between Abraham and God, Abraham brought his blood. God didn't bring his own. Because the blood of that covenant, that's the blood of Jesus. Are you following? Are you following? Abraham brought sacrifices, but the blood of Jesus couldn't be given there yet. Hallelujah. That's why when Jesus Christ came, Jesus said in um, uh, St. Luke's Gospel, Matthew 26, 26, all right, what people call the Holy Communion, he said, this is my blood of the word. This is the blood of the word. This is the blood of the what? Shed for what? Many. For the what? Remission of sins. So that means that blood, the blood of that covenant made with Abraham. Because the new covenant is what? I will remember your sins no more. 
It is what? Righteousness by faith. That is the Abrahamic covenant. Hallelujah. This is the blood of the new covenant. Which means, the moment Jesus died, hallelujah, that contract between Abraham and God about making all men righteous by faith, hallelujah, that contract became what? Activated. Because a testament is not what? Active until what? Men are what? Hallelujah. So it was after the death of Jesus and his resurrection that the promise made to Abraham, Abraham now began to enjoy it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Adam, Abraham believed it, but was not yet, had not yet what? Enjoyed. Look at it, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And look at what he says here, real quick. Hebrews 11 and verse 13. He says, This all did what? Church now. This all did what? Not having what? But having what? Seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims were. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Very, very clear. So that means they had the, they, they died in faith, believing, hallelujah, that the promises was theirs, but they never really experienced it. But they were persuaded that they would get it. So when the Bible says faith is the substance of things what? And the evidence of things what? The context is the Old Testament sins. He's saying that God gave them a promise, but the promise was not for now. Hallelujah. It was for the what? The future. Praise God. Praise God. Now, he now says they had faith. So faith is the substance of the things that they what? Hoped for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So faith is the substance of the things that they hoped for. It is the evidence of the things not seen. So they did not see eternal life, but they believed it. They did not see the indwelling of the Spirit, but they believed it. And they believed it to come to them only through who? Christ. So now the question is, what was, when he says faith is the substance, and faith is the evidence, what evidence did they have? What substance did they have? Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Now, in Hebrews 11, he was mentioning the heroes of faith. Mentioning the heroes of faith. Abi, Abi, mentioning the heroes of faith. He says, by faith, this one did this. By faith, this one did this. Let us first go to the last verse of Hebrews 11. He says, by faith, this one did this. He says, all these died in faith. Wonderful. Heroes of faith. Amazing. All right? Amazing. It just tells us these wonderful things about these guys. All right? What's the last, what does the last verse of Hebrews 11 say? Uh-huh. No, no. Let's start from verse 38. It says, Of whom the world was not what worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These guys were heirs of the faith, but they didn't receive what the faith promised them because it was not yet time. 
it was in their future. So they kept hoping for it. Hallelujah. He says, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 39. And this all, having obtained a what? Good report. Through what? Received not the promise. And now says, God having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made what? So what God is saying is very simple. I gave you a promise, but you cannot enter into it and receive it alone. There is a generation, hallelujah, you have to wait for. Hallelujah. The generation that we see him, the one that is making these promises. Hallelujah. Now, so look at what he now says in Hebrews 12. He now says, Look, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with what? A cloud of, what is the cloud of witnesses? The cloud of witnesses of men and women who had faith in the promise. He said, he said wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us what? Lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. What is that sin? Unbelief. You know? He said, and let us run with patience, what? The race that is set before us. Ah, verse 2. Everybody sing like a choir. Looking unto. Stop. That word looking unto is the Greek word aphorao. Aphorao. Now, remember he said, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses are the ones he mentioned in Hebrews 11. Praise God. They are the cloud of witnesses of faith. Now, that word aphorao, looking unto, aphorao, aphorao means to look away from unto. So he's saying, in Hebrews, he's saying, I have just showed you the heroes of faith. Your eyes have been on Moses. Your eyes have been on Abraham. Your eyes have been on Isaac. Your eyes have been on Jacob. He's now saying, look away from them unto Jesus. Because he is the what? Ah, which means he is the substance. Because if they had faith, and he is the author of faith, it means the faith they got, they got from... Hallelujah. The author and finisher for our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen. You've seen this. Now the question is, why did Jesus have to die? Hallelujah. Why did he have to die? Number one, he had to die as a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. For covenants are not activated without death. For a testament is not of force. Until the death of the what? So God testated, which means God made the promise. But that promise was not enforced until the testator, the person who made the promise, died. A will is not enforced until the person who wrote the will dies. Is that not correct? Then those who, the beneficiaries of the will, will now begin to enjoy the benefits. Is that correct? 
in that Jesus was the one who died, it actually shows you that Jesus was the one who promised. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Think about it. To destroy death, God had to die. Because it is not possible for life to be swallowed up by death. So for life to swallow up death, life had to enter the domain of death. Therefore, death died when Jesus died. Hallelujah. For it was impossible for death to hold him. After the three days mandated sentence, oh, glory to God. Because why did Jesus stay in the grave in hell for three days? Because that's the contract. Hallelujah. It's part of the contract. It's part of the promise. Hallelujah. Because, all right, I think in book of Hosea, it talks about, look at it, let's check it. How many days did it take Abraham to offer up Isaac? Huh? <laughs> How many days? So it took three days for Abraham to offer up Isaac and for, so offering Isaac and resurrection was three days. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's look at the book of Hosea quickly. Look at verse 1. Hosea 6, 1. See what it says. Come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Verse 2. After two days, will he revive us? In the third day, he will raise us up. And we shall what? Can you see that? Can you see that? So this is a time of identification. Hallelujah. Then we have the Jonah story. Jonah. Turn the book of Jonah. Three days is a contract. You shall have die. And I will be held in the bonds of death for three days. Those three days will represent an eternity. You understand? So, the demands of eternal damnation based on Adam's transgression has been offset by the three days and three nights of life being held in the domain of death. Which therefore means, anyone who believes in this guy, Jesus, it will be illegal for him to go to eternal damnation. Why? He has paid the price in Jesus. It's legal. So God did not just save Adam. No. God did not just save the world. No. He did it legally. So that he will be just in justifying the ungodly. God does not break laws. It's not any our God. The God of process. So that's why it was necessary that it was done judicially correctly. Amen. So when you see the justification of man, it is a legal thing. 
you can't fault it. There is no lawyer that can go to any appeal court and fault it. Hallelujah. Man sinned and his sin brought eternal consequences. Jesus, the life of God, the eternal son of God, came and paid the price and swallowed up that eternal consequences. Praise God. Himself. He said, but pastor, three days, oh, my brother. Oh, my brother. We are talking of eternal things here. Hallelujah. You see, it was the reason no man could die for your sin. Because no man was eternal life. It was only possible for eternal life to swallow up eternal death on your behalf. That's why it was Jesus that had to pay the price. And the price of Jesus was his life. He paid with his life. Hallelujah. And by paying with his life, he swallowed up eternal death for yourself, for your sake. Thus that you, by believing in Jesus, will never see eternal death. Hallelujah. Because you have passed from what? Death unto life. Amen. Amen. I said you should open the book of Jonah. Jonah. Look at. Let's look at verse 2. Um, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1. Remember Jonah, one away from the presence of God. I don't want to show you something. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord is God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of my application unto the Lord. Okay, let us look at, I just woke up time. Um, hold on. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered the sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. And what? Three nights. Showing you, God is showing you, this is, this is because Jesus later on says that an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and no sign shall be what? Given to her. Except the sign of what? Prophet Jonah. Are you seeing that? What's the sign of Prophet Jonah? In that he was in the belly of the fish, what? Three days and three nights. Then after that, that fish vomited him. Hallelujah. In the same way, Jesus was in the belly of the earth, three days and three nights. After the sat justice was satisfied, the earth did what? Vomited him. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. All right, let's now round up here. Why then, or why was the law of Moses given? What was the purpose of the law? Are we to keep the law right now? Is tithing important or is tithing compulsory? There's nothing wrong with tithing. In fact, if you are here and you don't give to your local church, you are in error. <laughs> Hallelujah. When this grace teaching started, by grace of God, I've been teaching the same things for like over 15, 16 years. So this thing, if you have been known me for a while, you know this is not new. Hallelujah. But you see, there was this version that of grace teaching that came out that seemed to promote irresponsibility and it's not grace teaching. So you find grace churches, they always don't have money because their members don't give. You hear things like, I don't give to be blessed. I am blessed, so I give. But they never give. Amen. Now, we don't give in, in the New Testament because of a law. 
We give in a New Testament because of a new nature. Hallelujah. But that new nature, needs to, we need to see that there is a new nature there. Praise God. I said praise God. Because you see, giving, all right, actually demonstrates that you are aligned to God's purpose and His plans. You understand His plan and you want to use your resources to see to it that it comes into actualization. Just like the nation of Israel, all right, God wanted to do with them. So you look at David. David partnered with the Lord to build the nation of Israel, all right, and partner to build the temple to institutionalize the worship of God. That's partnership. So that's what your resources are for. Your resources are for purpose. What purpose? God's eternal what? Plans and what? Purpose. So if you do not give as a believer, something's wrong with you. You don't understand the gospel yet, and you are not aligning with the purpose of God. Hallelujah. Now, why was the law given? Hebrews chapter 8. So remember, which was the covenant that promised salvation by faith through Christ Jesus? What covenant was it? What covenant was it? What covenant was it? So, when, now, the Abrahamic covenant, was it to Israel or to the whole world? We should do like an example. What do you think? Sandy, what do you think? Eh? We should do exam. Hallelujah. Brother, should we do exam? We should do exam. Okay, let me ask you again. The Abrahamic covenant, was it to Israel or to the whole world? So the purpose of the Abrahamic covenant was for what? The whole world. Now, what was the purpose of the Mosaic law or the old covenant? Hebrews 8. I told you, the law of Moses or the, the Old Testament was not made between God and a man. It was made between God and a nation. A what? A nation. And it was a covenant that was, how will I put it? It was not what God wanted. It was an expedient covenant. It was something that was added. The Bible says, when commit the law, it was added. That word added is annex. In, is a, the word in English that is based an annex. So it's like you are building a building. All right? You didn't plan. You wanted to just build a duplex. But something came up. Then you built an annex by the side. A temporary structure by the side. Planning that at an opportune time, you are going to what? Remove it and retain what you wanted to. Are you following? That's what the law was for. And it was to Israel. The law was not given to you. Now, you can read the law of Moses and learn from it. But the law, you don't need the law not to steal. Because you have been given the nature of God not to steal. You don't need the law not to fornicate. The nature of God in you, do you understand? Hallelujah. So what God has done is, instead of writing the law on stones, he has written it in your heart. He has written it inside you. So I see somebody, another person's wife, I don't want, I can't, why? I have the nature of God in my heart, I have my wife. I'm supposed to use love to finish her. Praise God. Any other white woman is not my wife. I don't need thou shalt not to do that. Why? Because I have God's nature in me. There is a spirit of God. The spirit of God is regulating my conduct. Don't do that. Go here. Holy Ghost. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Don't watch that. You follow? Holy Ghost. Nature. Give. Support. You understand? Go for outreach. Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost regulated living. That's why it says, walk in the spirit. And you shall not, what? Fulfill the... So when we are talking of salvation, we're not talking about one free kinito sin. No! That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I smoke this joint to the glory of Jesus. No! Amen. Not, we're not talking of two Christians cohabiting. Then they are now saying, no condemnation to us. We are born again. And if you are born again, why is it that your own Holy Ghost does not talk about what is wrong that you are doing? I was so, I look at that conversation, 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 and people are now making it look as though we don't, we don't have sense. Ah, you are telling me that you will stay in the same room with a woman as a man. Amen. And you put up it there. Washing plates, washing clothes, eating beans, eating rice. Then you now speak in tongues. And you read the word of God. And no sin is happening. Do I look like dodo to you? Ah. Uh -uh. <laughs> Can you come and be telling giving me dodo like that? you see ah, praise the lord if you tell me that's true i will take you to a gynecologist you want to do your luteinizing hormone praise god to be checking if you are luteinizing because something's wrong they will do some all of this will check you too brother are you okay glory to god ah, amen so the spirit of god the holy ghost the real holy ghost to some people his familiar spirit they have the real holy ghost will be telling you you are married. Someone at work is always giving you very special attention. Ito, how are you? <laughs> Yesterday, I was, you just came to my mind. Can we grab lunch? You go and grab the lunch. Not to grab lunch, you grab the lunch. You are married. You grab the lunch. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost is telling you, she wants something wrong. She, you understand? Your spirit man is, you know. Then as you are in the launch, all of a sudden, she and is flying to places. You understand? <laughs> I wanted to tell you something. <laughs> and she did that, the electricity went to your spirit. Praise the Lord. Holy Ghost said it. Why? Because your nature, your new nature, hates sin. Listen, the Bible says the flesh lost against the spirit. So you see, what God has done in insulating the man in Christ against the sin in the world is to put his spirit inside him. Not to give him another law of Moses. No! It's to put his spirit inside him. The spirit of God inside the man is the DNA of God. So the greatest man, this is the great miracle of God. He took a man of sin that was surrounded in the world of sin, took him out cleansed him with the blood, then put his spirit inside that man. Then he did not leave that man away from that world. No. He plants him back into that world and says, I've kept you and given you the ability to stay unspotted from the world. Amen? So when you find a born again, you don't find, ha, this is, you know, can't do that. And when, even if you fall and stumble, you know, I can't do that. My spirit man was repulsed by what I did. My spirit man was repulsed by what I watched. Praise the Lord. Someone say, ah, this thing is rated 18. It has sex sins. As a Christian, I can watch. I'm not a child. My brother, your heart has become aradite. It's hard. 
You need to stay under some messy chill music so that it will soften your heart. It's too hard. Too hard. How is it that you can behold evil and your, your spirit doesn't, it's not repulsed? You are calm in the presence of nonsense? <sighs> Hallelujah. Spirit man is born of God. This was what God wanted to give to the Israelites, but he couldn't because of unbelief. So he put a law before them. And he wrote it on tablet of stones to reveal the condition of their hearts. He was showing them, your heart is filled. It's a stony heart. You are stubborn. So I'm going to put this on stone so you can see who you are. You are stubborn and your heart is too hard. It is impervious to the work of my spirit. So in Ezekiel 36, he says what? This is the thing I'm going to do. I'm going to take away from you the heart of what? Stone! And put what? A heart of flesh in you. And I will give you my spirit and cause you to walk in my status and to what? Do it. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 8. Old covenant. <sighs> Let me tell you something. Look at me. My name is Pastor Femi. I can teach you for 12 hours nonstop. I've done it before. So I have to regulate myself. So I'm, I'm trying to walk in the spirit here. Amen. We have not finished anything. But we, we can, you know, we can do another one. We've done four hours now. And I want us to go and preach the gospel because if we do it too much, we will not begin to find an excuse. And my mother called me. My grandmother is having a headache. <laughs> so, what does that? It was eight. But that's not you. You guys are born again. You're on fire for Jesus. If we say we should state it tomorrow morning, you say, Pastor, let's stay three more days. Yeah, you see that glory with an accent. Kodenu. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number 8. <laughs> Woo! Glory. Look at anyone and say, you having a nice time. Hallelujah. Imagine him. Imagine a man and wife, uh, husband and wife, hearing the gospel, the word of God. Like, do you know what? Guys, do you know what? how much of a blessing it is for you to be married? And you say, babe, we have Bible study in church. Let's go. And she says, ah, I'm going. We're going for evangelism. Let's go. And they go together. It's a blessing. They are not, all marriages are not like that. Make sure you don't marry an unbeliever. Did you hear what I said? Any love, hallelujah, that you catch and with an unbeliever, today we scatter that love in Jesus' name. Yeah. Shall I tell you why? I'll tell you why. Listen. When you marry and you are doing alliance with unbeliever, you are delaying God's plan. You are wasting time. You are, you are with someone you are, you, are, you are trying to get the person to attend. That's your, someone you should be preaching the gospel to, not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Someone that you are supposed to disciple, you are saying it's your, it's your, your, your husband. Let's pray in the spirit. Yeah, you, so you, all those, all those noise, noise, noises for you, Jeremy. I don't have time for that. Husband, ah, cough, cough for bit. <laughs> cough for bit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, Hebrews 8. Let's start from verse 8. Amen. Hebrews 8 and verse 8. We're, we're rounding up. Old covenant. Oh, let's start from verse 6 so that we get it to 9. The old covenant. 
the Abrahamic covenant was not the old covenant. I've explained what the Abrahamic covenant is. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon what? Better promises. Hold on. You know the better promises? The better promises are the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic promises. It was better than the old covenant or the law. Because the law, the promise was, if you do this, you get this. Amen? So that means the blessings was dependent on what? Your performance. The better promises of the Abrahamic covenant or the new covenant is, all right, you get this by what? By faith. Praise God. It's established on better promises. Verse 7. It now says, for if that first what? If that first covenant had been what? Faultless, then should no place have been sought for the what? Second. Next verse. Eight. For finding fault with what? With what? With what? He said, Behold the days come, said the Lord, when I will make a what? A new covenant with the eyes of Israel and with the eyes of what? Judah. Nine. Pay attention. Pay attention, no. Pay attention. Can we read it? One, two, go. Not what? Stop. What covenant is that? Is that not a Mosaic covenant? Now, notice something. He said, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. This is not Abraham. This is the nation of Israel. Their fathers. All right? In the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the hand, land of Egypt. Because they continued not where? Oh! So I gave them a covenant because they didn't continue in my are you following? So, which is the my covenant? The Abrahamic covenant. Because the Abrahamic covenant was by faith. They didn't follow God by faith. So, because they couldn't keep the Abrahamic covenant, and they were not following the Abrahamic covenant, God said, all right, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to enter into a contract with you. Hallelujah. And the purpose of the contract was to actually bring them to that point where they will know we can only believe and walk with God in accordance with what? The Abrahamic covenant. So that's why the Bible said the Lord was a what? A schoolmaster to bring us unto what? Christ. Praise God. Because if God didn't give them something, then they will just continue what they're doing. But the purpose of the law of Moses was to let them come to the point for them to realize they were sinners. Now, let me show you something that is very important for us to know. All right. It says, because they continue not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. So he said, they continue not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. So that means because they didn't continue in faith, God didn't regard them. Hallelujah. All right. Next verse, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws where? And write them where? And I will be to them a what? And they shall be to me a what? Next verse. And that says, And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. 12. For I will be what? Merciful to their what? And their sins and their iniquities will I? Ah. You see? Does that sound like Romans 4, 1 to 6? Blessed is the man unto whom? Huh? Ah. Praise the Lord. That's the old covenant right there. 
And the old covenant was necessary because the children of Israel did not walk in the world. Abrahamic covenant, which is what? Righteousness by faith. And what was the problem? What was the issue? Simple. There was a lack of discipleship during the period after Joseph died. Hallelujah. So because there was a lack of discipleship, all of that, what God did, was not properly handed down. And what you had was that there was a mixed multitude, and they began to follow actually the, actually the practice of Egypt, Egyptians. How do we know? Because when they got to the wilderness, remember, and Moses went for 40 days and 40 nights, what did they do? They built a golden calf. Which means idolatry was now ingrained into their culture. Even though they were Jews. Praise God. Go and check before. Go and look at the lineage of Abraham. Abraham down. You never found any case of anyone carrying an idol except one, Rachel. Remember? Rachel. Why? Because that household of Abraham was a properly discipled household. Abraham had instructed Isaac. Isaac instructed Jacob. Jacob instructed the twelve. Then the twelve. You understand? Like that. Properly discipled. What does this tell us? We can lose ground in a home, in a family, in a location when there is no proper discipleship. I'll close with this. The seven churches of Asia, the letter to seven churches of Asia, the apostolic letters of Paul, so the 13 you know, churches, the 13 letters Paul wrote, most of those places, all right, today are Islamic locations. The church of Antioch was in Turkey, right? It was in Turkey. Thessalonica, all those places, all right, Turkey, Greece, and all of those places. That's where most of these churches were planted. But as time went on, there wasn't proper discipleship. And doctrines, cultures, and uh, the, the things of the Spirit wasn't passed down as effectively anymore. And as that went on over the millennia, we now begin to find that those cities were overrun by, you know, you had, um, what's his name? Sultan Mehmet, Sultan Mehmet, you see, Sultan Mehmet was a Sultan who was raised in Islam and the belief of Islam. He was the one who conquered Constantinople in the 15th century. And Constantinople, which was the headquarters of the Eastern uh, Orthodox Church, because the church, Roman Catholic Church, was divided into West and East. Constantinople was the head, so they had a Pope. He overran Constantinople. And took it over. And today, Constantinople is in Turkey. How many of you know of the Hagia Sophia? You know the Hagia Sophia? How many of you know Hagia Sophia? Hagia Sophia is, at the time was the biggest Christian cathedral. It was overrun. It turned Hagia Sophia to a mosque. At the time when they were conquered, they didn't know how to pray. Nobody prayed in the spirit then. They were all praying to Marians, so the saints. Because there were no proper discipleship. It is very possible for a territory that was properly discipled, for that territory to be lost to the enemy. This is why 
the believer must be properly discipled and we must ensure we take full control of territories first in the spirit realm, in the place of prayer, hallelujah, and second on the physical terrain by going from place to place, presenting Jesus to every man. Because if we don't, the devil will present something else to them. And if they accept that something else, it will become a stronghold in their minds and it will be more difficult to get the gospel into that place. Every day we sleep, the ground gets harder. Every day we don't pray, the ground gets tougher. The heart gets more, you know, the heart gets tougher and more, you know, uh, uh, more difficult. Hallelujah. That's why as believers, we must make sure that there is a daily routine we have, we have accepted of prayer and preaching the word. Social media is a terrain. We mustn't give it to the devil. Every man, every woman, God's plan and purpose for them is for them to be conformed to the image of who? Christ. And just like Abraham was a preacher of righteousness, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Abel, all right, was a preacher of righteousness. All of these men, after they saw the truth, they told everybody. Many replied and responded with unbelief. Hallelujah. Our own job is to tell people, ensure we bring what Jesus has done to their consciousness, the consciousness of their mind and their heart. Can't keep quiet, can't keep silent. Because at the end of this age, remember I told you about cosmos and aeon. This age is going to close. The church age, it will close. Then we come the age of the Antichrist. Seven years. That's all he has. That dispensation, seven years. After that, you have the millionaire reign. You don't have all the time you think you have. You don't. So plan. You want to travel to Canada. I hope you're not going to travel to Canada and go and sleep. You know, I found out that what the devil needs to do to get some people to move from being on fire to being cold is to give them a visa. There's nothing wrong with traveling. But if you are traveling, please don't go and travel into a freezer. Amen. Amen. And if you are going to a country where there is so much structure that makes it rigid and difficult for the power of God to flow, why don't you spend enough time in prayer betting the revival before you arrive? Don't be careless. This is the reason you were created. To conform to the image of the Son and for all men to conform to the image of the Son. So you have to give this all you got. Preach the gospel. Take it seriously. Don't joke with it. Don't make it an afterthought. Hallelujah. It is not an afterthought. It is not an afterthought because one day you are going to stand before Jesus and God help you. I pray that what you're going to give an account will not be excuses and tell the Lord, I couldn't because I had children. I couldn't because I was married. I couldn't because of Buari. He banned Bitcoin. All right? You won't give excuses. When you stand before him, you say, Lord, thank you for saving me. And thank you for giving me the movement of the Spirit to save others. This is me and the children I brought. Hallelujah. Think about Renard Bonke. He's in heaven now. Praise God. But you see, Renard Bonke was an evangelist. I'm sure there were many other people that were not called to the ministry of an evangelist, but did the work of an evangelist. They are in heaven. They'll get a reward. 
Make sure you get your reward. That's what this teaching was about. For you to understand what Jesus did. And for you to act based on what he did. You have believed the gospel. Thank God for you. Many of us are there. Jesus wants more children. He wants more people looking like him. Having his authority. And having his spirit. Because the more people that have that. The more day light we have on the earth. Hallelujah. And the less nights we have on the earth. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed today? All right. Let's take a few questions. If you have a question, put your hand up. All right. Just put it up. After we do a roll call, you can't have questions again. No. All right. We have one. Who else? Please take a number. One, two. Pami is three. Who is four? So it's just three questions. That means, I mean, that I, I, I tried. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Everybody understood. All right. Yeah, let's go. All right, if I want to, um, okay, I mean, I understand the part of the believer's responsibility in preaching the gospel, but I'm also aware that there are certain people who haven't heard before they died. Or left the earth so i wanted to understand that um if scripture addresses that and um also that's in relation to abraham's bosom to better understand that concept mm-hmm. um there's a third question that escapes me if i remember i'll ask you later but those are the two major questions okay so the first question i wanted to ask was um about those who um never heard the gospel how do you know they didn't hear it An assumption. What kind of assumption is that? Okay. I always tell you that you have to try as much as possible not to be thinking about those who didn't hear it, but to be thinking about how you can get the gospel to those who do. Do you understand? Now, the scripture does not dwell that much on those who didn't hear. If you look at the epistles and all, you don't see about those who didn't hear. No. Now, because... Think about it for a moment. You have, what is his name? Nicodemus, I know, Cornelius. <laughs> Who preached the gospel to Cornelius? Eh? Peter. Okay, if Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius, how did Peter get to know that there was a Cornelius to be preached to? An angel of the Lord appeared, right? Right? Now, if the scripture didn't tell us that there, there was an angel and there was a vision, would we know? Would we know? Huh. So, you have to understand that you are partnering with God in evangelism. I'll give you an example. I had a friend who was a Muslim. Muslim. This guy, how he got to accept Jesus, you've heard of Apostle to Philip's Dungeon's testimony, all right, was that he had a vision of Jesus. Telling him, introducing himself to him and telling him, go to a church. I had a friend, his name was Akim. That's how Akim got born again. By a vision of Jesus. So don't immediately assume, all right, that uh, because you've not gotten to a place, They've not heard the gospel, or God has not found a way to get the gospel to them. There was a, you know, for example, 
there was a tribe that was hidden. I think I was watching something on um, one of these um, TV stations. There was a tribe in Africa that some folks it was so hidden and all, and they were dressed naked and all. And some um, Christian guys got there, and when they were asking for their names, they were surprised. Their names were, you know, the translations were Bible names. Ah, how? What's going on? Apparently, some missionary had been there, <laughs> you understand, before. So don't, God is very intentional. So don't start dwelling on what if the person didn't believe. Or what the person has not heard. That's not your concern. The concern is, who am I telling? Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? The concern is, who am I telling? Who have I reached with the gospel? God, see, some things are God's exit. You know, some people, you know, God is CEO of the universe. Leave the CEO things to CEO. Do your own. Your own is to do what? Preach the gospel. Amen? Let's go and preach it. Then the next question was Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is paradise. Paradise, you see, because the promise to them of um, salvation through faith was in the future. Which means it was given to them as a promise, but they could only catch, catch that promise when Jesus died. Correct? No. So that means just as they had to wait for the actualization of what they were promised, they also had to wait, all right, in a place before they went to heaven. Amen. Because they couldn't go to heaven without Jesus. Hallelujah. So, paradise was a place where they waited. Just like hell is a place where sinners wait. You know hell is not the permanent place for sinners. How many of you know that? Because God did not create hell for sinners. He created for devils and his angels. And he created for the devils and hell for them to wait also. For the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the real thing. Because in the lake of fire, what is going to happen is that because sinners are darkness. Yeah, that's what it means. That's how darkness. Devil, darkness, you know. So what in the new heaven and new earth, there will be no darkness. So the lake of fire is the total eternal destruction of all things darkness. So that one thing will remain, light and day. Thank God we're not going to be there, amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ah. Second? Yes. Um, so, I think my question is Hebrews 10, 26, 27. One more. Don't worry. That mic is very good. Just put it like okay. this. Mm. <laughs> it's not like the old one. Okay. Mm. For if we sin willfully after that we had we have received the knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. There remains no more sacrifice for sins. Mm-hmm. My question is, verse 27, what does it mean? But a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation mm-hmm. which shall devour the adversary. So if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, if we sin willfully after we have heard the truth, what is the sin now? Unbelief now. Okay. The, the knowledge was brought to you. Jesus is the way. Can you, can you explain this and this and this? And you still reply unbelief. Okay, so There's is, no way. Okay, it's unbelief and not like when you lie. Oh no! Of course, that's not. Look at the context. The context is unbelief. Okay. So you know this is the problem with many people. The moment they see sin, fornication, adult, you understand. So most times, eh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what's in that happen with men. Our consciousness decides 
Do you understand what sin is? So, if you notice something, whenever you talk about eternal salvation, you will hear, must check it. I want you to check it. You will say, when they want to give the example, you will hear, it is always sexual sin. Have you noticed that thing? Always. It's always it is never, uh, are you saying that if I continue on belief? That's never what they say. It's always, are you saying that if I continue from fornication and adultery? Are you following? But sin primarily in scripture. Listen. In your Bible, you are going to see sin in singular and sin in plural. So you see sin and sins. Amen. When you see sin, amatia, amatia is usually referring to unbelief. But when you see sins, it's talking about a marriage of actions that have been declared to be seen by the law of Moses. Praise God. Remember, without law, there is no what. Uh-huh. So, the law of Moses was the one that brought other things as things. So, for example, before the law of Moses, Abraham married more than one wife. Correct? Correct? Okay. And before the law of Moses, Abraham married his sister. Hello? Hello? But in the law of Moses, you cannot uncover the nakedness of your sister. Making it a what? Are you following? Are you following what I'm saying? It's a sin. Glory to God. Amen. So you see that. So the law of Moses made sin exceedingly what? Sinful. That's the purpose. The law of Moses is to multiply the consciousness of sin. So... There are 3,000 laws. So, for example, according to the law of Moses, I'm a sinner, right? I've sinned. Because I am way more than one material. That's the law of Moses now. It's law of Moses. For example, according to the law of Moses, if a lady is sitting down here and she's on her period, and a guy touches her, that guy is unclean. And he must stay without the camp seven days. It's law of Moses. So it is part of the sins. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you following? In the law of Moses, if you did not give your first fruit, what is first fruit? Some people are very mysterious. First fruit didn't mean that they gave everything. The first fruit in the law of Moses was simple. If a man had and read cattle, the first child or the first uh, offspring that was giving birth to his first fruit, they gave it. Are you following? He didn't give his entire cattle. Hallelujah. So someone says, ah, Pastor, I want to give my first fruit. Listen, listen, if you want to give all your salary, God will honor you and bless you. Nothing's wrong with it. But don't now say you are giving your salary because of the law of Moses. Uh-uh. Are you following what I'm saying? Do it because you want, it's, God is leading you to do it. Me, I won't come on that pulpit and begin to tell you why you must give all your salary. Eh, eh, that would be wrong. But you cannot lose by giving. Because as you give, you become better. I found that when I give, my faith. Ah, money has to come back now. What are you talking about? <laughs> Hallelujah. So it, my faith was like, ah, Father Ramakoshanda. I now want to know where is this thing going to come from? My spiritual senses are, you understand, where is it coming from? Where? Ah, you understand? Ah, yes, now we give it. Ah, it's something. Amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's something giving does to you. 
Giving is an expression of faith to God. They are saying, God, ah, you say I should give it, I give it, but you are going to sustain me. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's not about um, uh, Christian casino. No. It's not Christian casino. Praise the Lord. And one thing is this. It is not your money that does anything. It's faith. Faith. Like me, I have a principle, I have a culture. I have my pastor. My pastor, I make sure we sow to have my pastor from time to time every year. Every first, I mean, the first year, uh, month in the year, we always make sure I take, we take a seed, I go to my pastor, sow it to him, go on my knees, he prays for me. It's simple. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a principle of honor. You get. I don't need to feel goose bean poos or anything. I do it every year. Then throughout the year, whenever I'm late, I just write a check, go and meet him in his house or his office, pastor, pray for me. And let me tell you something. <laughs> let me give you an advice. Do you want to hear the advice? Look at me, everybody. This life eh, is spiritual. And learn one of the mistakes the younger generation of Christians and ministers are making is that because we seem to know more word. Praise the Lord. For example, you most likely know more for line revelation than Apostle Ayo Babalola. Amen. Yes, you most likely do know that. But how many of you know that if Apostle Ayo Babalola is here and you that knows all the scripture is here, and they say I should choose who I should go and Lean down to, to pull hand on my head and speak words. You know the answer now. It's supposed to. Are you following? Now, you may listen to Pastor Adeboe someone and say, hey, you see, that, 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 it's, it's not polite. You see, that one, you see, you see, you see. Let me tell you something. If Pastor Adeboe walk through that door, I will stop the sermon and go and meet him. And, you know, Pastor, you're welcome, sir. We look for seed, give him, let him speak words. Do you know why? Because, listen, in the realm of the spirit, spiritual authority is not given based on doctrine. It's calling. It's calling. The day I met Reverend George Adeboe, I understood this thing at a deeper level. That's why I understood that. Some men, they are not, it's not man, no, they are township. <laughs> Some men are a township, oh. Eh? Then the man laid down on me and spoke words. As he, as he laid down on me, he connected with my spirit. And he, he recognized me in the spirit. Glory to God. And he began to speak words about decades. Hallelujah. So don't go and miss your time of visitation. No. Amen. And don't be speaking. When you see him, just ignore and teach your, teach your own. Don't go and be... Are you following? Mm -hmm. But you stand for the truth. Number three. Are you number three? Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. Um, My question is closely related to hers, but to, not to uh, Abomo. But it's not, it's not in that uh, they be different. I mean, I believe in the eternal nature of mm -hmm. salvation mm -hmm. and the fact that everyone who has believed mm -hmm. has eternal life. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is the context of... We know that man is a free moral agent, right? Mm -hmm. He has a... He has a will to believe. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, actually, I understand. I, 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 I know the implication of my question, mm. but the context actually is the free moral agency of man. Yes. Yeah, so if you're, if you're, the Bible detects that, okay, if anybody 
believes the gospel. Now, the assumption here is that the gospel has been preached. What we know as the gospel of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 mm. has been preached. And a man believes it mm -hmm. totally. He accepts the finished work of Christ. Yes, when later I now says, so I don't want to do it again. he says, mm -hmm. now, like I said, it's, it's within the context of man's moral okay, Yeah, I get you. And, and the question is, now, this is even the question. Mm -hmm. What is the boundary to man's femoral agency in that's, the context of salvation? Now? That's a fantastic question. Now, what is salvation? What did he believe? And that's why I say, assuming... Wait, now. now. Mm -mm -mm. Wait, okay. I'm asking you. The gospel. Yes, what which is what? The finished work of Christ. Which is what? That what Christ died, Christ mm -hmm. was buried, Christ mm -hmm. raised up. And is the only way for salvation. Yes. He believed it. What does belief in that? What does belief mean? To accept it, to receive it. To accept it, to believe, yeah. to receive it. So, from what we've said about what true believing is, as we've read, the heroes of it, yes. is there anyone that involves drawing back? No. No, right? Which means, because another thing that we are missing is this. We think that the believing of that man is the work of the man. Remember what Jesus said? He said, no man can come to me except the father does what? Which means the man that has believed the gospel is testament to the drawing of the father. Which means there is the role of the Holy Ghost. Something happens inside that man. Ah, I've thought this thing before now. When I thought about that, the faith of God to believe the gospel is where? Is where? It's in the gospel. So when you are preaching the gospel and you are announcing the message, the faith of God to believe it is part of what you are sharing. Yes. That's why it says, being born again, not of corruptible, but of incorruptible, by the seed, the seed of God right. that liveth and abideth forever. Yes. Which means in the preaching of the gospel, one of the things you are sharing is what? The seed. Okay? So, when that man, the faith of God, is supplied to him, the faith of God is divine. It is one of the, you know, it's one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Now, the faith of God is divine. Now, that faith of God is supplied to that man in the gospel. The response of that man to the faith of God's supply is what? Belief. So, believing is the work of what? The faith of God. So, Meaning that when a man comes to say, I have believed in Jesus, he is not saying it of himself. He is not saying it of his own will alone. He is saying it of a will that has been regenerated by who? Holy Ghost. So the scripture says, no man can say that Jesus is what? Lord. But why? By the Spirit. What we can now say, what you are talking about is, we now have to go to the parable of the sower. You know, in the parable of the sower, there were four hearts. Yeah. The Bible talks about 25%, 25%, 25%. So you had 25%. The first heart was those that were by the what? Wayside. By the wayside. Yeah. What happened to them? They heard the word. But Satan came. Was faith bettered? No. no. Then the second one was the one that was among what? Stony ground. Stony ground. Yeah. Right? He says, these ones, they heard the word, but the word did not do what? No, but they were immediately what? Excited. 
Come on, give your life to Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> they are out. We count them among those who were saved, but they are stony ground. So they come. Then the Bible says, when challenges come, right? Because the word had not taken what? So if it has not taken root, it means that the seed is present, but it hasn't been. Are you following? So the produce of faith hasn't happened. But they are aware of the message. Right? Third one among tongues. This one, the word comes, uh, and weeds come, and does what? Now, you see the problem when people are carrying believers. See, let me tell you something. The problem with many folks is, whereas in the old, in the early church, when they came to church, this is what happened. They heard the gospel again and again and again until they eventually believed. We want to do microwave belief. So, in the early church, you heard Acts 2. You saw the sermon of Peter. You thought it was a five-minute sermon. It was a summary. It was a summary. And you see that the Bible says that they taught from house to house, in the temple and forward, house to house, daily, daily. Why? So that they will continue teaching the same things until faith comes. So that's why it says faith comes by what? Hearing. That word hearing there is present continuous. It's not once. It's hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing until conviction is battered. Look at Abraham. How many times did God tell the promise to Abraham? He told him Genesis 12. He told him Genesis 13. He told him Genesis 14. He told him Genesis 15. He said, come outside. Look at the sky. Look at the sun of the seashore. Why was he? Why? So that faith will come. You understand? Conviction comes by repetition. Then you now get to where that guy now comes to, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that Jesus died for my sins. Because look at the futility of it. How can a man say, I believe? Believe is not assent. Believe. To believe is not to assent. To believe is not to side. It's not a political party. It's not a football club. I'm an Arsenal fan today. I'm not a Chelsea fan. No. That word believe, pistuo, it means you have made an unqualified committer. What believe is, is sink. I will sink with you or I'll swim with you. That is what belief is. What you are saying when you believe in Jesus is Jesus, I am on your side and I'm not going anywhere. That's what believe is. For a man to come to this point, it cannot be of his own will, it's by the Holy Ghost. It's not a party. So when a man comes and says, I believed in Jesus at one time, but I don't believe again, I will put a big question mark to that first time he believed. First, because that is looking like parable of the what? Soa. Because what did he tell you? He will say, after I received Jesus, so to speak, I lost my job, my wife left me, the economy, all the things they promised in the church, these people are trying to steal our money. What did the Bible call it? The Bible calls it the what? The cares of what? This world comes in and does what? Choke it such that it is not what? Productive. What is the word supposed to produce? Faith. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many of you can see we have work to do? How many of you acknowledge that there is work? Let me see your hand. There's work to do. I pray that in the churches of Jesus Christ, that when people gather, it will not be to be teaching 10 principles for financial billionaire and stuff like that. We have problems. There are a lot of people that are not saved in church. So we can't be teaching things to fill our seats and for money to be coming in. And people sitting in the pews are going to go to hell from church. Yes. They are not saved. You ask somebody, salvation, you talk about salvation is by grace. You're not be hearing things pastors say. Pastor, the pastor that's supposed to know, he's saying rubbish. Day after salvation, you can still go to hell. After you have believed in Jesus. And you have declared him Lord of your life. That means you will go to hell. I'm like, did this guy believe? I'm not talking of mental ascent though. Because many of us going to mental ascent. Come to Jesus, I'll give you the you know, mental ascent. Belief means that. When you believe in Jesus, it means this. It means that if you were told and you stood in a firing squad, and they tell you, if you don't renounce Jesus, we will kill you. You tell the faith of God, you say, listen to me. You better kill me because killing me means I'm going to see Jesus sooner. Because to renounce him, he can't come out of my mouth. That is a no, it is no going, not, so faith is no going back. Are you following what I'm saying? So, the reason why Paul wrote the book of Hebrews to the Jews, right? And to those who were, you know, in the you know, Jewish, you know, that were to the Jews and those who were Jews in the diaspora churches was to bring them to a place of conviction about who Jesus was. Because they were oscillating between Judaism and what? Christianity. Which means they had not yet come to the place of what? Faith. So you have to read Hebrews with that context in mind. Amen? So he was writing to many, many of those folks who had not yet come to that full assurance, conviction. That they did not need any of the ceremonies of the law for justification. So the reason why he keeps writing and emphasizing and why Paul wrote the Moses in was to bring conviction. For repetition is how conviction comes. Praise the Lord. So when you see things like that, the man was about, you know, you, you hear of a gospel singer, the person was singing, but he said, I'm no longer practicing Christian faith. And you're like, ah, ah. you only saw the singing. You didn't see the heart. Hallelujah. The faith of God doesn't draw back. He said, we are not of them that draw back unto what? We are, do you know what that means? We are not. Because the, the faith of God doesn't draw back. If the man draws back, that's not the faith of God. It's not the faith of God. It's not the will of man. No, no, no. It is the will of man that has been regenerated by the Holy Ghost. Because the natural man in itself, without assistance, cannot choose God. He can't. Adam shows us that. Right? He can't. The natural man without the Holy Ghost will always choose self. 
when the man, the natural man chooses God, Holy Ghost is involved. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. I want us to have a You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olalea of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.